You know, sometimes you have to put yourself first. I'm doing me. You gotta just do yourself. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. It is the middle of the week. You're right there. And I just gotta remind you that you can do all things. 
I'm gonna pull this one up. It was requested. Cece Winans never lost. Tasha Cobbs Leonard with Gotta Believe. We just gotta believe that one day the world will be exactly the way we dreamed of it. No more wars, no hunger, no disease, no pain. happen don't doubt it but it starts with each and every one of us making that individual choice i know that there is so much more and i will find an open door if i only believe 
Not sure who I'm speaking to today, but are you ready to put strife to the side and just move in peace? Release whatever it is that is making you angry, whatever has you upset. How about when you get up in the morning, you give thanks before you start your day? Find something to be grateful for. And the more you do that, is the less you will find yourself complaining. Oh, yeah. Having the right mindset, having the right outlook is so important. It is indeed necessary. And this young man by the name of Dennis Reed uh, happened to come in the room and get on the piano. And I told him then, I said, let's go on Facebook Live because I feel like somebody needs to hear this message right here. He wrote this song, you guys. It goes like this. I am who I am, am today Because God used my mistakes He worked them for, for my good, yeah Like no one else ever could Girls, can you help me say that? Come on Everything that I went through, because everything that you're going through, you have to understand that it is a test for a testimony. You've been through some things in this room. God Are you going through some things right now? Mistake. You ought to just lift up your hands right now. Can we say that again? Can we say it again? Like no. Wherever you are right now, stop and express some gratitude. Be grateful. Be extremely grateful. It could have been worse, but it's not. He is bringing you through whatever it is that you're going through. You will get to the other side. God told us to tell you. God told us to tell you. Everything.
thing that you're going through, guess what? It's necessary. It was necessary. It's hard to believe that when you're going through it. You know what I'm saying? But it's necessary. If you just hang on in there. If you just hang on in there. It's necessary. It's necessary. Got one more for you. We're gonna. Here is Lost Without You, BB and CC Winans. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Day by day, no more reaction. You are my center attraction. Every beat, my heartbeat is yours. Hurt and harm, you're my protection The path I take is your direction Cause I know with you I can go There's no letting go Coming up in a couple seconds, we're going to have the headlines for you. It is a quarter past the top of the hour time for us to let you know what we're going to be talking about today. Thank you for that one, BB and CC Winans, the brother and sister duo. Thank you. 
Good morning to all our listeners, everyone logged on and listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, everyone listening on JanoRadio.com, and of course, good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Wednesday, May 10, still in 2023, folks. Blink all, you know, if you blink, don't blink too hard. December is upon us. <laughs> it is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee in Tow. World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram, moments underscore with underscore me underscore media. And on TikTok, Moments with Me Media. And the me and everything is M.I. Follow, like, share, and drop a comment. <laughs> All right, so here's what we have going on for you today. In the Caribbean corner, gun violence, shocks Anguilla. Dominican Republic national charged with the murder of Jamaican chef. Woman jailed in Grenada for sharing sexual-related video online. CCJ welcomes St. Lucia as full member of regional court. St. Vincent Prime Minister wants Sunak to support slavery apology reparations. Out of Jamaica, no construction on Sundays and public holidays. And yesterday we spoke about the self-proclaimed killer. Well, we have an update. He um, has been murdered in St. Catherine. PNP's Dexroy Martin. He's apologizing for banishing reporters from PNP headquarters due to wearing green clothing. Come on. Come on, Jamaicans. We are. And if you are a politician, you should be more um, intelligent than that. Get past that level of thinking. That's all I'm going to say right now. We'll get into it more. PNP um, defends selection of Dr. Alfred Dawes as Southeast St. Catherine candidate and separation of powers, meaning and importance. In international news, UK court rules in favor of Shell in Nigerian oil spill case. Definitely want to get into that one. Imran Khan, Pakistan's former prime minister, is arrested in Islamabad. In news out of North America. According to the sheriff, a Louisiana man shot a child playing hide-and-seek. A U.S.-Mexico border will be chaotic for a while, according to Biden. An Arizona lawmaker, who is also a minister, is under investigation for a Bible prank. Senate Democrats demand more details from Harlan Crow on gifts to Justice Thomas. Tucker Carlson says he's coming back with a show on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And CNN's town hall with Donald Trump takes on added stakes after verdict in Carol case. In business and tech news, by now, pay later, customers are seeing more denials and lower spending limits. In health and science news, if you're 40, it is time to start mammograms and that's according to new guidelines in sports news athletes from iowa and iowa state involved in latest college sports gambling scandal and believe it or not news <laughs> i'm laughing before i read this one hold on let me get my oh, let me get it together 
Republican lawmaker who advocated to ban children from drag shows. Well, he has resigned following a sexual relationship with a teenage aide. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, these Republicans. Anyway, in the brew. Uh, trailblazing opera star Grace Bumbry dies at the age of 86. And, man, there is hope. Uh, actor Robert De Niro welcomes his seventh child at the age of 79. When is it too? When do you stop, really? But who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Mm. All right. We're going to get into the details of those stories and more. Plus, great conversation as always. But it's time for us to celebrate some women through music. All right. Here is Rihanna with Man Down. Heavy twinkle, Jada Kingdom, whatever you choose to call her, best you ever had. Yeah. 
Gotta have a double play for her. There she is again with perfect timing. It is 25 after the top of the hour. You got five minutes to get there if you need to be there at the bottom. Be safe. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we have the details.
conquers everything. That being said, thank you Whitney Houston. It is time for us to go ahead and get started. And as always, we kick it off in the Caribbean corner. Our first story, it's not too cute. We are in Anguilla. Gun violence shocks that island. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. The Caribbean island of Anguilla has a national concern that needs to be addressed. Gun violence. A recent gun crime has caused the acting premier of Anguilla, Kenneth Hodge, to issue a call for illegal guns to be removed from the streets and better ways to deal with conflict. It comes following the fatal shooting of an officer with the HMS Customs Department of Anguilla over the weekend. Anguillans have been told that while many people are broken and have spun into a deep state of sorrow, there remains a pressing need for all to unify as a nation to abate these troubling concerns. The acting premier is also um, calling for especially those of major influence, to show a concerted effort to remove illegal guns from Anguilla's streets, as well as find more civil means of conflict resolution. On its end, the government says it maintains its unwavering commitment to the significant reduction in crime and acts of violence and will be addressing such in support of the Royal Anguilla Police Force and other enforcement bodies. The acting premier is also encouraging those affected by the current spate of violence to make use of the psychosocial support services available through the Minister of Social Development, as well as the clergy and private mental health support services. You know, as I'm reading that, I have to agree that is so needed especially for us in the Caribbean, because, um, thank you, Virginia Anguilla. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. See, that's why I got to love my folks on Coffee Dill, um, on Clubhouse. They um, definitely help me, and I appreciate each and every one. <laughs> Thanks again. So it's Anguilla, folks, even though it's spelled A-N-G-U-I-L-L-I-A. It's Anguilla, so it it's, has a GW sound, all right? 
Okay, so, you know, I can't help but to think how necessary it is for us to get help after experiencing trauma. And especially if you live in areas that are very volatile and where there is crime, where, where crime is constant. I think because it happens and there is no rehabilitation of the mind, there is no therapy, nothing, um, people become desensitized and then it becomes a way of life. And they don't even realize that they're just living in a traumatic state, if I'm making sense. Um, so this is something that really needs to be done throughout the Caribbean. Psychosocial support services needs to be made readily available at no cost to its citizens if, if they can afford to do that. You know, I'm sure there are people who are there, um, health professionals who are willing to give of their time, whether it's an hour a week or two hours per week. So to sit with people, whether one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting, probably in a group setting, because I'm sure um, there are several folks who can relate, you know, as it, rela as it um, relates, relates, relates to trauma when you think about the, the circumstances, right? Um, kind of like an AA meeting set up where you have the group and everybody is able to sit down and talk about their feelings and, you know, how what is going on around them is affecting them and what they would like to see change. Yeah. So, okay, acting premiere. That's a great move. All right, on to the Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic National has been charged with murder of Jamaican chef. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. A Dominican Republic National has been charged with murdering a Jamaican national in the Turks and Caicos. Luis Gutierrez Orsario, 24, of West Road, Grand Turk, was charged yesterday on Monday. Instructions received from the Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions. The charge against Rosario states that on January 15, 2023, uh, in Palm Grove, Grand Turk, he murdered Stephen Baker, contrary to Section 3 of the Offenses Against the Person Ordinance Chapter. At the time of his death, Baker, 33, was a Jamaican national employed as a chef. Rosario appeared before the Supreme Court and was remanded into custody. He will return to court on July 7 for a sufficiency hearing. Superintendent in charge of the Serious Crime Unit, Dean Holden, in a brief statement said, I wish to thank the officers of the Serious Crime Unit for their dedication and commitment in bringing this case to a charge. I wish to further reassure and emphasize to the public and families that the RTCIPF is committed to bringing prosecutions against perpetrators and, when possible, closure to persons who have lost loved ones to these senseless homicides. In our next story, a woman jailed in Grenada for sharing sexual-related video online. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Police in Grenada say a 43-year-old woman who failed to pay an EC $25,000 um, bill, 
for violating the 2013 Electronic Crimes Act has been jailed. They said Mazenga John uh, from the Western Parish of St. Mark was committed to prison to serve a term of 11 months and seven days for non-payment of the fine after having been convicted for the offense of violation of privacy. I'm trying to keep a straight face as I read the story, so I apologize. Let me just go ahead and say that. So she was convicted in the magistrate court for using a social media platform to share a sexual related video after a complaint was filed by a female. She was found guilty and the magistrate ordered that she pay a fine of $25,000 by February 2023 or spend one year in prison. John, at the time of the conviction in February 2020, was employed as a store clerk. Uh, violation of privacy carries the maximum penalty of 200000 EC dollars in fine or imprisonment for three years, or it could be both fine and imprisonment. <laughs> Up to the time of her imprisonment, she had paid only $600. That like so I'm I have to read the rest of the story because I want to know exactly what she did. So bear with me, folks. Okay, so here we go. But if she's paid only six hundred dollars, it's one of two things. It's either she can't afford to pay anymore, or um, yeah, or she paid some and like you know what, this foolishness. I'll take the year if them hold on to me. I don't know. Anyway, let me let me read the rest of the story. The Electronic Crimes Act defines violation of privacy as knowingly or without lawful excuse or justification captures, publishes, or transmits the image of a private area of a person without his or her consent under circumstances violating the privacy of that person. The law defines transmit as electronically sending a visual image with the intent that it be viewed by a person or persons while capture with respect to an image means to videotape, photograph, film, or record by any means. The law further explains that private area means the naked or undergarment clad genitals, pubic area, buttocks or female breast, and publishes means a reproduction in the printed or electronic form and making it available to the public. So I guess she put out pictures of this other woman with the intent to harm this person. So it was with malicious intent. And of course, she did not have the approval to do so. She used to pay $25,000. She only paid $600. Um, <laughs> thankfully, it's not 200000 Now, will she still have to pay the 25000 after the year? It could be one or the other. It could be both. We don't know. Don't do that again, lady. Don't, don't put out people's pictures. You know, people are sensitive to that. If let them do it on their own accord. All right. Okay. Who is coming next? Punching. We used to play that game. That's who is coming next? Punching a little fella. Does does good morning. 
<laughs> Good morning, naturalist. Nurse, nurse, Ryan. <laughs> Does that law applies to a man's chest? Huh. You know, I'm glad you asked that question, naturalist, because here's, I remember I said to Marlon once, if men can walk around topless, and yes, some men have some serious man boobs, why can't I walk around topless? <laughs> because we, with our nice little pectoral muscles, we are also a sex symbol and a preference lady, so mm -hmm. it's, it's really the same thing in a way. It is. When you think about it, yeah if we want to get technical oh yeah but why can't on a serious note though why can't i walk around topless men can walk around topless you're too sexy good morning i'm gonna try it one day and see what's gonna happen javet <laughs> i'm trying it my neighbor for that sake it might just go viral. <laughs> I might just get rich, right, Donald? And then we can buy that island. <laughs> that's it up. That's it up. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, not let me behave myself. But that's a good question, though, naturalist, because, yeah, it's a double standard, right? Isn't that what life is? Oh, he's on the call. All right, next up. <laughs> CCJ welcomes St. Lucia as full member of regional court. President of the Trinidad-based Caribbean Court of Justice, CCJ Justice Adrian Saunders, on Tuesday welcomed St. Lucia as a full member of the regional court that was established in 2001 to replace the London-based Privy Council as the Caribbean's final court. In a statement, Justice Saunders said that the CCJ, which has both an original and appellate jurisdiction had taken note that the Constitution of St. Lucia Amendment Act had been assented to by the Governor-General Errol Charles. He said as a result, St. Lucia has now officially acceded to the CCJ's appellate jurisdiction, extending his sincerest congratulations to the people of St. Lucia on this momentous occasion. St. Lucia now becomes the fifth Caribbean community country Caricom country, uh, joining Barbados, Dominica, Belize, and Guyana in becoming a full member of the CCJ, which also functions as an international tribunal interpreting the revised Treaty of Chagaramas that govern um, the governments. Huh? What the hell did they put in this sentence? Okay, I've got to reconstruct this sentence. Okay, so... um. St. Lucia now becomes the fifth Caribbean community CARICOM country, joining Barbados, Dominica, Belize, and Guyana in becoming a full member of the CCJ, which also functions as an international tribunal interpreting the revised Treaty of Chagaramas that the governments of the 15, uh, with governments of the 15-member regional integration grouping. Um, but hold on, isn't um Jamaica is supposed to be a part of the Treaty of Chagarama. So why, are they, why is it that they're not a part of the CCJ? That's interesting. And, hmm. They're now the fifth one. Hold on a second. I'm sorry, folks. 
number one, they tripped me up with this, the construction of that sentence. But the other thing is, becomes a fifth Caribbean community country, unless there are other countries that are there. I don't know. They'll be all right. Anyway, what, you know, what I, I came across, was it an article that I read or a video that I saw? It doesn't matter. Um, there is concern with regard to the CCJ as opposed to going to the Privy Council in London when it comes to certain cases. The concern is people in the Caribbean feel that corruption can um, become the norm. Here is why. You know the people in the Caribbean, this judge know that judge because all of them went to the same university, University of the West Indies, right? Well, for the most part. And so because they know each other and lawyers know judges and then you have people who have their money and will pay off the judge and they feel that things will not be fair. Whereas if you go to the Privy Council, no corruption can come into play. No nepotism, if you want, if that's the right word to use in this case. Um, the, no one can be influenced, right? So people have concerns with that. I hope with the CCJ that will not happen, though. Go right ahead. Is that done? No? Yeah, I mean, listen, there would always be concerns. We have members of the Supreme Court whose wives lobby against stuff that they have to pass laws on, that they have to they may have to do a ruling on. You understand? The the, the most controversial one recently, well you know how active his wife is, right? If I if I, if, if I'm a tourist, a white tourist in the Caribbean that gets into a case that I am suing the government or suing anybody and I'm going to the Privy Council. We will think out favor in that case. You really think the law? Okay. If I, if, if, if a reparation case goes to the Privy Council, who do you think they would rule, likely rule in favor of? So the, the, the notion that there would be biasness, and if you go to the, the Privy Council, they're somehow so just because they're far removed. I just think it's just something we have to get past. Okay. How are we going to build capacity in the region if we can't make rulings on our own? And we're talking about being independent and stuff like that. At some point in time, yes, the court would not, may not be perfect, but at some point in time, the court has to be allowed to function. At some point in time, we have to, you know, get the confidence that we will choose the right people to do the right things. Mm -hmm. Other than that, how how we could say we want to be republics and keep going to the um, the Privy Council every minute. No, I agree with you. I want us to move away from the Privy Council, but what I don't want is corruption within the CCJ so it is not as effective as it ought to be. You know there what I mean? There will always be alleged corruption um, <laughs> moments because rulings would go down on sides that people would not be favored with. Mm -hmm. but we have to allow the system. I'll give it a chance to tell you the truth. True, true, true. Noted. All right. Next up, where where is Saint Vincent? All right, Saint Vincent, it's over to you. Uh, the Saint Vincent Prime Minister wants Sunak to support slavery apology and reparations. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. 
Prime Minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Dr. Ralph Gonsalves, believes British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak should support the issue of reparations and slavery apology for the role Britain played in the slave trade. Gonsalves made the call in an interview with Channel 4 News, where he was questioned extensively on the king's coronation, the British monarchy and reparations. The Prime Minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines said as an individual, he has an appreciation for King Charles, but pointed out that he, Gonsalves, is also a proponent of reparations for native genocide and the enslavement of African bodies. Asked whether he would like to see the king apologize, Gonsalves responded with a question. Will the British political directorate allow the king to apologize? Questioned on whether he would like to see the Prime Minister apologize, the Caribbean leader said, of course. The Dutch Prime Minister can do it. You want to tell me a European Dutch Prime Minister can do it, but a man of Indian descent can't do it? (laughs) I find that strange. Gonsalves was then asked, would you expect a Prime Minister of Indian heritage to be more forthcoming on this issue? And He responded by saying, I would expect so. I believe he would have a great understanding of this issue. I'm not in his shoes, so I don't know what are the restraints, what are the constraints, but I'm absolutely sure he will have a profound understanding of this matter. And while the British monarchy or monarch is currently St. Vincent and the Grenadines' monarch, Gonsalves revealed that during the king's coronation, he did not recite certain oaths. We do not swear anymore on oath to his majesty. We swear allegiance to the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I would like to see very much a severing of this link with the British monarch. I don't accept and cannot accept that someone who is born in the United Kingdom grows up in the United Kingdom, lives in the United Kingdom, can be the king of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Oh, (laughs) I agree. I agree. But yeah, he has raised a very valid point. I, I, I don't know if it came across anyone's mind when Sunak went in, um, when he became prime minister. I'm not sure if anyone had any offline conversations about it. But I have to agree that, you know, considering the history of India and the United Kingdom, one would think that he should be able to (laughs) lead the way when it comes to having these conversations. What are your thoughts? You know, then you're putting him in a position where he will no longer be English, but Indian. his ancestors and yes he's oh lord but we cannot deny the fact though donald that he is of indian descent and that is one of the reasons why he didn't get a job in the first place when they they had this lady coming for three weeks to run the country and was totally incapable <laughs> three weeks to run the country yeah but that maybe maybe a month but it feels like a fortnight to me. <laughs> and that was one of the things that was against him because he was not 
British enough. You, you understand? So if you go now to to highlight that more by talking about reparations, I could see he have another three weeks in there like her. Suddenly, <laughs> you're wicked. I mean, we have to use what we have to our advantage, right? Um, he has the advantage of the Indian ancestry. I think it's an advantage. I think of it as an advantage. And he shares history, yes, with Britain and India. He can't be blind to the history of India unless they never taught him. I don't know. You know, it can happen. Um, and so being split between the two, he should be able to ease in the conversation. Be very subtle. He can't go guns blaring, blazing. But he can ease in the conversation. Because um, as, as Prime Minister of um, England, Donald, you can't tell me that he's no longer paying attention to what's going on in India, considering he has family there. Unless the people in India are not concerned about an apology and reparations and all of that, unless they're not concerned about it. Let me, let me bring it a little closer to home to you. Yeah, boy. Clarence Thomas is supposed to be a black icon on the Supreme Court of Justice record representing black people. Did I say more? <laughs> I'm sorry, who said he's supposed to represent whom? <laughs> that is what I'm saying. When he when he when he was on the Supreme Court, that was one of the things. Oh, we have representation. Black people have representation. I feel you. <laughs> Nobody in my hood said that. <laughs> but that is the same point I'm making to two moments. <laughs> I need to wake up. That's what I need to do, Donald. I need to stop. Come I need to come back to reality. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. As, as as far as I'm concerned, he can represent a uh, um, a roll of toilet paper for a while. <laughs> Store brand or Charmin? No but isn't but isn't this gentleman's story just totally different than the person we just named a few minutes ago? No, I'm. I, it's a different story, but I'm saying sometimes. When we have people in positions and we think they would take, or in power, we think they would take certain positions that they can relate to, mm -hmm. it's far from the truth. Yeah. Sometimes they don't represent anything that you think they can relate to. True. And and that's the point I'm making. I'm not yeah. saying that he cannot, but I'm saying sometimes that's the case. So because he's Indian and he's Indian background and he's, he has to know the history of, of the British in England, in India, and how the, the the millions of people suffered. That doesn't mean he will take a position that that is sympathetic to that. You know. You, you know, Donna. Let me ask you a question. This just um, came in my mind as you're talking. So I know there are two different cases, but let us look at the Bill Cosby situation for a second. All right. His um offenses were committed years ago but he was still able to go to jail for his crimes against these women right why can't we do the same with the monarchy 
even though it was centuries ago, why can't we still hold them accountable for their crimes against humanity? Well, if you want to do Bill Cosby, let's look at that guy of our Fox News that was paid up all this money to, to resign. Uh-huh. And he was more recent than Bill Cosby. And you never hear anything other than he resigned. Uh-huh. Then you want to go back to the monarchy? The FBI cannot even interview the prince. They can't even have an interview. They have to speak to his office. And you're telling me to go after the monarchy? Seriously? The world needs to. Go right ahead, Sean. I think it was Sean. Was, who op- Somebody else had opened their mic. I, it was actually oh, me. Oh, Javed. Sorry. I'm so sorry. So... You know how we got rid of the man that um, in Germany back in the day that, you know, killed a lot of people? Mm -hmm. That would be the only way we can take down the monarchy. Just think about it. The monarchy controls, controls where they're at. It's still receiving money from all these different countries Mm -hmm. for, for atrocities. The only way would be a war. A total world war. Think about it. Mm. So they will never be held accountable. The monarchy will never have to face or come to terms with the truths of what they did to the world. Okay. But they're facing it now and it's nothing. All the information is out. You said that yesterday. Yeah. We know where all the gold came from. We know where all the rubies and whatnot came from. Doesn't mean anything except for we have knowledge. I don't know. That, to me, that's not sufficient. Not sufficient. Not sufficient. Just having... Because if me going, if I walk into Jared's right now and I take up a diamond ring, put it on my finger and walk the hell out, my ass going to jail. <laughs> Moment, stop using that example. <laughs> you are a peon. You are a peon in this world. <laughs> Sorry, Donald. Go to jail, moments. Just before you take up the jewelry, claim it in the name of the king. <laughs> If you take it in the name of the king, you're safe. No, but you see the point I'm making, though. We can't steal, but they're allowed to steal. And it's okay. Oh, but guess what? They were allowed to steal. They were blessed by the um, Church of England to go and steal. Ain't that weird? The church blesses you so you can go out there and steal. You remember, they used to bless all the boats that they used to leave the port before they go to steal it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Moments, wake up. We are just, we're just like a screw in this cog. Oh my God. We are peons. 
Oh my gosh. Jaka, they have a saying in Jamaica, Jaka said the world on a level. And it's so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jaka said the world on a level. How them know Jaka said the world on a level? <laughs> Lord have mercy. <sighs> oh Lord. All right. You know what? On to the next one. We're on to Jamaica for our next set of stories. According to Jamaica.loopnews.com, no construction on Sundays and public holidays. Wow. The Kingston and St. Andrew Municipal Corporation, KSAMC, is reminding citizens that no construction work should be conducted on Sundays or public holidays without the approval of the corporation. So... They didn't say you can't do it. You can only if you have approval from the corporation. Mayor of Kingston, Senator Councillor Delroy Williams, in his address at the monthly meeting of the KSAMC in downtown Kingston, said several complaints have been received from residents across the municipality. We are appealing to developers, to persons who are conducting construction work to cooperate. If you do not abide by the law, then the municipality has no choice but to enforce the law. We are cooperating with the Jamaica Constabulary Force in the interest of our residents and protecting our residents and their rights. He noted that while the law says there should be no construction on public holidays and Sundays, there are special circumstances where the law allows for permission to be granted by the chief engineering officer. Mayor Williams said that officers from the KSAMC as well as the JCF have been visiting building sites to ensure compliance. We have been out there. We appeal to developers. We appeal to residents to desist from the practice as many of our residents are indeed complaining that it is disturbing the peace of their home on Sundays. <laughs> Is that a tough one? Is a double-edged sword here? It is. Because if I do my little house and on the weekend my brethren and then come to help me out and people come to give me a hand and on public holidays I glad I could go and put in a two hours on my project, then I can't do that. So during the week I'm working, I have mm. to hire people to do it to cost money and stuff like that. Exactly. On the other hand, I could understand a lot of these big companies sometimes be making a certain noise and, you know, conducting construction when people want to rest maybe and these are the the companies that most likely will be using heavier equipment and stuff like that so it's a real double-edged sword there okay and i agree with you and i'm laughing because <laughs> i remember once oh gosh somebody complained um <laughs> somebody complained to my father that he needs to um <laughs> can't have the lawnmower running on a Sunday morning when people get it ready to go to church or trying to sleep. So he said to them, so when is it supposed to be done? Tell me, when, I, when is it supposed to be done? I'm not here during the week. Monday to Saturday, I'm not here. So tell me when it's supposed to be done. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, just a flashback. Oh, that that was amusing. Sorry. Okay. Um, but yes, especially for commercial construction and these um folks who are doing um major development, you can understand. <clears throat> excuse me. The, the concerns of residents around, especially if there is dust involved. Um, so what I would strongly suggest is that before anyone embarks on um, any type of construction, whether it's you doing your, your home brick by brick, block by block on your own on the weekends, because that is the time you have available. Or if you are a company putting up a building, I would say before you embark on doing anything, Go ahead and get all your permits in place. Get everything in place. Dot your I's, cross your T's, and then um, that way you won't have a problem should the JCF or a representative of the KSAMC show up wanting to see if you have the approval. All right. Um, I'm not sure what the form looks like, if there is an application form for it, and if they don't, they probably need to have one. Um, and probably have time, you know, times within which you can do the work from this time to this time and, you know, so on and so forth. But for people who, as you pointed out, Donald, who are trying to save a dollar because they're able to do it themselves or that's when they have um, the added hands to help them out, let us not um, deter them. All right. We don't want to put a spoke in their wheel. All right, next up, self-proclaimed killer in viral video murdered in St. Catherine. Remember we played the video yesterday? Um, Javet says he sounded a, said he sounds a little paro. Well, according to Nationwide Radio JM.com, um, there is an understanding that the self-proclaimed killer, Menelik Young Sam, and I got his name right today, Menelik Young Sam, also known as One and Ready, I wonder if he used to drive taxi or bus, you know, one and ready. Okay. Was uh, shot and killed yesterday in Fraser's content in rural St. Catherine. The police have yet to identify the body as the formal identification process remains incomplete. However, persons who were at the scene say the deceased matches the description of young Sam. The police named young Sam as a wanted man over claims that he chopped three people in a vicious attack in Clarendon last Saturday. He recently posted a video on social media where he boasted about the crimes. Them know me a murderer, you. Ask me ugly man and father about me, so I'm a pick me a kill. Me kill more than 100 people. Police are nothing to me. Yes, they can't find me, they can't touch me. All right, since I see a gun, me a kill 10 police. I see AK me by, brother. Bulletproof vest. Me have 300 rounds for each gun. I mean, I'm killing them kill. All night, me and I come to gym. Many like young Sam. One, four, the laughing people. Listen, ask the police and why they look for me. Two of my friends chase me out, me go up on my yard, go chop up my auntie, chop up my husband, and chop up his son. Me alone. <laughs> no, I'm sorry for laughing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me let me get it together. You know, Javet, as I listen to the recording again today. I have to agree with you. I think he's a little off. Paranoid. I have a red bar, so I'm not sure if you can hear. Loud me. and clear. 
So I wanted to ask, so who killed him? Was it the police or someone else or you don't know? So we're seeing reports that he was killed by gunmen in Fraser's content, which I also question. I have questions about that because how coincidental that yesterday he was told to turn himself in by 6 o'clock yesterday, 6 p.m. yesterday, and then he's killed yesterday. But they're saying it's by gunmen and the police have yet to identify the body. I don't know. And this is just another example of putting your business out on the internet. So if it was a video, I'm not sure if where he was sitting, they were able to identify where he was at. It's, it's just like one of those stupid criminal videos you see on TV sometime on the weekend. Mm-hmm just ridiculous yeah ridiculous i it's sad it's it's funny it's sad and and everything all mixed up in one all the emotions right um i hope it is not a case where the police killed him i really hope they're not the ones who did it i just find it very coincidental um if gunmen killed him i am wondering javet if it's a case where he was talking too much so they had to shut him up meaning could there be some degree of truth to what he may have sounded ridiculous when we listened to the um the longer version of the recording yesterday he may have sounded ridiculous and to us we're like oh he crazy why would he dwell that and then come out and talk about it but then if gunmen killed him, it means there is some truth to what he is saying. I think he was coherent enough for me to believe at least 70% of what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And that's a very high number. And I'm a person that whenever I, you know, folks send me videos of killings or dead bodies, I don't look at it. But for some reason, because of all that you were saying, I had to see for myself. To see if this guy that claimed he was so untouchable actually was touchable. Mm-hmm. And it looks like him, the um videos that I, that, that I saw, but yeah, it's not like most like some of his some of his friends killed him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, those who are running, those are usually the ones that um, take action against you first, especially if you go to jeopardize um their life loads, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess there'll be more information to come once they do a positive identification. Not sure why it's taking so long. We'll have more details. All right, up next, excuse me. PNP's Dexroy Martin apologizes for banishing reporters from PNP headquarters due to green clothing. I'm I'm really trying to restrain my my words here. Uh, You know what? Nationwide Radio JM is reporting Deputy General Secretary of the PNP Dexroy Martin has apologized for his role in Monday's incident at the party headquarters. Mahiri Stewart has more for us. Dexroy Martin apologized for what he says were unacceptable and disrespectful comments made to the RJR reporter Tanzara Jackson about the color of her clothing. Miss Jackson was seen wearing a pair of green pants. In a statement issued at 11.59 a.m. today, Mr. Martin said his comments did not reflect the position of the PNP. He apologized to PNP leader Mark Golding 
and other members of the party affected by his actions. Mr. Martin added that he had taken steps to contact Miss Jackson and assured her of his unreserved apologies. While he denounced the threat of rape by a PNP supporter, Martin said he did not hear the comment. Mr. Martin's statement of apology today is markedly different from the tone he adopted when asked about the incident on Twitter last evening. One user asked Mr. Martin at 7.57pm, Journalists were just assaulted in your presence. Who ran the journalists off PNP compound? Martin responded at 8.45pm saying, That's a figment of people's imagination. Despite his attitude towards the journalists last evening, Mr. Martin was quite vocal last week as he lamented how far Jamaica had fallen in the latest World Press Freedom rankings. In one tweet posted at 11.21pm on May 3, the same day the rankings were published, he blamed the government for the situation, saying, This government has brought us down so low. In another posted at 11.34pm on the same day, Martin, in reference to the same press freedom ranking issue, said, This is extremely sad and depressing. Mahiri Stewart, for Nationwide News. Well, clearly, Mr. Martin, you are not, you have demonstrated, to me at least, that you are not fit to be in politics. Because how is it that you're going to be complaining that the government has brought us down so low, but the very thing you are complaining about is the very thing you are exercising? Shut your mouth if you don't have nothing to say. Don't put your foot in your mouth if you don't know what to do. Um, and next, the next thing, it speaks to the mindset of these politicians. You're acting like you don't have no sense. You, you, you don't have no level of intelligence. This is 2023. What type of behavior is that you are displaying? Because someone is wearing green pants, they are a part of a journalism team. You're going to dismiss them or have them dismissed from the PNP headquarters. They're there to do a job. Let go of this because you're wearing orange. It means so you, you have to be affiliated here. Or if you're wearing green, you have to be affiliated there. Can people do their jobs? People not allowed to wear what color they want to wear. I have to talk the way you can understand because clearly you not no sense. And then on the heels of that, there is so much going on in the PNP. Um, I do have an, an IG video that I need to play as well. But this next story, the PN, and I'm just going to play everything, read the stories, and then we can have our conversation around them. The PNP defends selection of D Dr. Alfred Dawes as Southeast St. Catherine candidate. This story is also courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM. PNP General Secretary Dr. Dayton Campbell has sought to defend the decision by party president Mark Golding to appoint Dr. Alfred Dawes as the candidate in waiting for Southeast St. Catherine. This comes after the process used to select Dr. Dawes was described by former PNP Vice President Damien Crawford as deeply flawed. <laughs> Dr. Campbell says there is nothing sinister about the process and we do have a soundbite for this one and then we will get to the IG video. When we're selecting candidates, they would routinely apply. Then they would go to the region, then they would go to the integrity commission, and then they would go to the delegates. And that selection criteria is approved by the NEC of the party. And it also speaks to the fact that the leader of the party has a veto power to select a candidate. We have made one change, which is a poll, and that has been placed right before the delegates' conference. We believe that the applicants that we put before delegates should be persons who are viable, and therefore that 
come from the broader constituency. Now, there are going to be cases where the leader of the party will want a particular individual because of what they bring to the table at that time and how they want their administration to look. Dr. Campbell says the PNP's internal polling showed that Dr. Dawes is a better option for the party than the other aspirant, Alaric Campbell. The problem that we've been having is that some of the members through indiscipline have leaked some information into the public space, which is about preferred candidates, favorability, and we're not using that. What was agreed by the NEC from January is that we're using voter intention and you have to get above a certain threshold. So would you accept then, Dr. Campbell, that the leadership made a tactical blunder in not sharing with not only the comrades in Southeast St. Catherine, but the wider public that Dawes had come out ahead 28 to 20 21 against Robert Miller. Seven points ahead as against Campbell, five points. So that was the situation there. What I'm being forced to do to have the conversation about the party's internal candidate selection in the public space. Dr. Dayton Campbell, General Secretary of the PNP, speaking on Cliff Hughes online on Monday. And let me just go ahead and jump to the IG video. Um, bear with me one moment. and residents of Southeast St. Catherine. Since the announcement of my selection as a standard bearer for the People's National Party in the constituency, I have been deliberately quiet. This out of respect for the many comrades who did not see their candidate achieve the nomination. I know it is difficult psychologically you worked hard. It was a well-spirited fight from both sides. And I commend you. I still look forward to working with everyone who has the interest of the party and the constituency at heart. My tent remains open. However, at 3 a.m. this morning, I received a threatening phone call with the caller stating that what happened to the constituency office was only the beginning and they would find me where I lived. Now, when you cross that line of threatening my family, all gloves are off. And in deference to unity, I thought about being silent about the matter. However, I am going to make this clear. I am going nowhere. I have been selected fair and square based on the party's internal polls. My silence has allowed a lot of misinformation, half-truths, and blatant lies to take root. Chief among these is, a, is the assumption or the statement that I lost the internal runoff. In every single constituency that has been polled, it is the winnability, the electability of the candidate passing that benchmark of 25% that has been used. Nowhere 
in any constituency has the favorability polls been used to make any determination on a candidate's ability to win an election. It is misleading to put out a favorability poll and claim victory. When a head-to-head matchup is made, I come out ahead of the incumbent at 7.3%. Mr. Campbell comes out at only 5.3%. There is a larger gap between myself and the incumbent if people are to be polled as to who they will vote for. That has been the, the yardstick used by the party leader to determine that I am the better candidate in terms of winning in the general elections. That I am ahead of Mr. Campbell is further compounded or reinforced, is, has greater significance by the fact that in only six weeks, with only 14% or 16% of people seeing me, having a favorable opinion of me as a politician, they still would go out and vote. It means that the persons who don't have an opinion of me because they don't know me as a politician, I have a larger pool to campaign to over the next two years or whenever the general election is called. When this misleading information is put out to make it appear as if I lost the selection and then I was foisted upon the people who are resisting, it led to a careless, a very careless move to rile up supporters. And what that has done is to cause a mob who are unrepresentative of the wider constituency or the party to take upon themselves instructions that they are to fight back. And with the burnings, the defacement of campaign vehicles, my personal vehicle, as well as the PNP's campaign vehicle, they ran amok. They were emboldened by the silence of those who ought to have reined them in. The torching or the firebombing of the constituency office is one of the darkest days in the history of the People's National Party, where people who claim that they are PNP supporters would rile up a group, finance them, and have them torch or set fire to a constituency office that is going to be serving the community and the workers. Since that red line was crossed, I have started my own investigations. And I have the names of the persons who were in that car that started the fire. And I know who was the mastermind behind the whole thing. I am going to be turning over the names to the police, 
for their further investigations and I'm going to hope that the witnesses who saw and heard of the plans are willing to step forward because this represents the dirty underbelly of politics and I am going to gut it. I am not going to tolerate a small group tarnishing the good name of the PNP in Southeast St. Catherine and on a whole in Jamaica. We must rise up as one and say no to this dirty type of politics. I reject violence in politics. It is no more simple enough to say nothing because as of 3 a.m. this morning, silence means complicity. I am calling on all well-thinking PNP supporters to reject and publicly denounce all acts of violence and intimidation that are towards me and the party leader. When we as one stand up to those violent dregs in our midst and let them know they have no place in the PNP, then we can stand up to the people of Jamaica and let them know that we do not tolerate any criminal activity and we are the solution for crime. Until we do that, we are going to be in opposition for a long time. The rooting out of persons who claim to be a part of politics in Jamaica and they are criminals and thugs, people who would never be caught up in a truck back in a state of emergency, but are worse than a hundred gunmen because of the orders they send out. Those persons need to be purged from our midst. And I am starting that crusade as of today. Meanwhile, I still am open to working with every single comrade who believes that I am the person to help them take back the seat from the JLP. As I have been selected fair and square, having been victorious in the polls that matters, the polls that from the inception of the ideas of polls was a yardstick to be used, the poll that has been used in multiple constituencies. I am claiming that victory humbly and I submit to you that let us work together to build back the constituency as the electoral machinery of the constituency and at the same time purge those violence producers from our midst. I will be seeing more of you as I continue my walks. Thank you. That was Dr. Um, Dawes. I'm glad he called it out. Irrespective of what political party you want to be affiliated with, there needs to be the gutting, the cleaning, the purging, the calling out of this type of behavior, this mentality. 
it's an insurrection of sorts not quite the same but you're gonna burn down you a pnp a fellow pnp going coordinate and issue directives for them to attack a fellow comrade you're going to issue directive for them for damaging personal property plus the property of the PNP, meaning the vehicle, the campaign vehicle, as well as the constituency office. When you burn down the constituency office now, you tell me. Who for Billy Back? It is your office that you burn down, you know. Because let us say in the um there's another election to come up and it, he doesn't win the other person no we have to use the office no one abandoned the office it looks like they're taking the example of the united states i yield <laughs> illiterates that's how I, he called them dregs that he he was very nice them are junkro dregs illiterate imbeciles any negative word you can find in the in the in the dictionary fling it upon them and then the person who is going to give them the orders the green light to go ahead and make them feel that it's okay you're not in a sense neither That is the landscape of politics in Jamaica. How then are you to be respected by your constituents if you can't, if you don't even know how to display good sportsmanship? Okay, you were not selected. You did not win at the poll. Accept your defeat bow graciously and rather i remember in um the constituency that i live in when when um this young lady here she won for the jlp and the other the contesting jlp um participant what them do they vote to work together for the greater good of who the community that them going to serve Individualism is what is killing us. Everybody is me, 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 I, 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 I. And we will go to any extent to see to it that we are cemented and cannot be removed. How are we serving our people? What example are we setting for young people who are looking up to us? Is that the way we're going to move forward? This sound like back in the 70s when they used to stone people car when they might drive past and they would stone your car uh, to instill fear into you and all of these things. I would want to think we're far more intelligent. And we have way more common sense. I would want to think but I guess I'm um, dreaming. What's that word Donald uses?
Now, with him turning over the names to the police, will there be swift action? Because it's one thing to highlight the things, but will there be any accountability? That's the next thing. Because part of the culture in Jamaica, when we talk about the political culture, is that, or anything, as a matter of fact, when it comes to crime, yeah, certain things get brought to the forefront and then they somehow they're swept under the rug. There's no follow through. Right? And when that happens, what does that lead to? Huh? People getting the mess feeling that it's okay. That's the message we're sending. And if we say we want change, we're going to have to be serious about instituting change by taking the necessary steps, changing the way we think, the way we behave. You're going to threaten the... I'm not a PNP by any means, but right is right and wrong is wrong. If you're a member of the party that I do support and you're wrong, may I ball you out, say you're wrong. If a member of the opposing party has done something that is uh, um, good, I'm going to applaud you for it. And that is how we ought to be. Fair. We have to learn to be fair. It doesn't matter. When rain fall in a fall power, one man holds stuff. We ought to be fair. And we ought to want the right thing to be done. We must be just. And I would implore anyone who is thinking of getting into politics, think carefully before you embark on that journey. What is your real reason? If it is about self, don't do it. Because your place is not to be served, but to serve. And many people don't understand that. They lose sight of that. You are there to serve the people that you're representing. The people who have put their trust and faith in you to do right by them. We talk about the state of crime in Jamaica, and I know I'm going on for a little bit, but I think it's so important to have the conversation. We talk about crime in Jamaica and the need to combat crime. We talk about illicit behavior. Well, politicians are leading the way in the very things we're trying to fight against, the things that we say need to change. How can you be a leader? And be complicit. Sorry, it doesn't go hand in hand and I'm done speaking. Thank you for your patience, everyone. Morning, everyone. Good morning, James. Yeah, I, I'm confused about one thing, though. Um, if, if it's a democratic process where they have like an internal vote, um, why is it that the leader, the leader get to um, choose him as, as the, the person to represent the, the, the party? But wasn't the choice wasn't part. the choice made based on the poll? No, but no, but the thing is, like, if the poll, if it's a democratic process, where because normally, like, um, the 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 
um, the party, the people that are part of the party um, internally, the delegates, they get to vote and that vote normally decides. So I'm a bit confused, like if there's internal voting against the delegate, the delegates, why then um, the, the, the leader of the party get to choose at the end? Because I'm, I'm confused with that, because normally the delegates are the one that decides. But based on what you're, the, the story that you're reading, like there's some sort of vote. Um, he was leading in certain vote, but the, at the end of it, the, the leader was the one that made the decision to choose him as opposed to the incumbent. So I'm a bit confused about that because this is one of the things that, remember, we spoke about it months ago and I, and I told you that I feel like Andrew Oldness is going to be um, the leader for the next probably 18 to 20 years. He's going to surpass um, um, PJ in terms of the longest leader in, in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the reasons because um, when he picked, um, what's his name, his, his friend, even though like he lost his seat and he, he gave him, um, you know, preference in, in leadership position in the party. Mm -hmm. I think some of those type of things are the type of things that, that's going to keep them in opposition. You know, so I'm, I'm confused about that part. I don't know. Okay, let me go back and read the thing, read the, the um, a, a, a part of it for you. Dr. Dayton Campbell, who is the general secretary of the PNP, he said that the PNP's internal polling, the polling system that is used to determine who will represent that constituency. Dr. Campbell says the PNP's internal polling showed that Dr. Dawes is a better option for the party than the other aspirants. So, and um, he got the number of votes necessary. So it's not as though he... Um, the other person, Alaric Campbell, surpassed him, and then Golding turned around and said, mm, "Me no matter, me go use, me, me, me no care what the people inside say. Me go with Doctor Dawes. That is not what happened. He followed along with the internal polling results. Unless I missed something. Yeah, but but something is off though because normally the internal um, poll decides, right?" The same way, you know, when they decide the leadership and he got it over Lisa Anna, the delegates, they decide. But a part of the story said that, um, like, the, the, the leader, the opposition leader, chose, and even, um, what's his name, opposition education minister was saying that the, 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 the system that they use is flawed. Um, what's his name? Or farmer friend there. Um, education, opposition education. Um, what's his name again? I don't know right now. Yeah, I can't remember his name right now. But he said it was it was flawed. So obviously something went on in it that is not not the norm. How many people are saying it is flawed? Well, he said it's flawed, but no, the story itself because normally, normally the, the delegates are the one that that choose. So like, it it's kind of confusing that they're saying that he was leading in all all the the, the, the eras that they said that he's fit to lead. But then, following that, the, the, the leader chose him. The leader don't have to choose if, if it's, a, if it's a, um, a democratic process. So that part is the part that's confusing me. Because, not, because what I'm saying, like, if it was a normal process and he lost, then I don't think 
people in the party would be upset. I'm not saying that what the people did with all the vandalism and stuff. It's not, that's, you know, that's not right. And they're, you know, affecting their party in a negative way. But if it was um, a democratic system, the same way Lisa Anna lost because of the delegate vote, she was upset because she felt that people that said that they were going to vote for her turned turn around and stab her in her back. Mm -hmm. But she was she was upset, but there's nothing that she could do about it because she lost fair and square. Because she went and she counted the vote, and those people said, I'm going to vote for you. But then, um, at the last minute, they changed their mind the and switch. vote for right. um, thing. So my yes, question so to you, James, is how many people within the party um, who are voting complained that it is flawed that's all i want to know how many people or is it just one person or two people because it didn't go in the fa in their favor could it be that they're saying it is flawed because they didn't get the desired outcome isn't that what we do look at what happened here in the states yeah but 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 apart from that low moments the, the part that i'm confused the most about is that the part that said the opposition leader thought that he was the better one and chose him. The opposition leader don't have to choose. I get what you're saying, James, out. but the polling... It, okay, so probably he pro should not have said it that way because the polls dictated that he was going to get it anyway. So let us ignore what he said, the choosing. Let us ignore that. Let us talk about what is presented to us as facts. If we're to go to court, I can't go to court with what he's saying. Him free for sentencing in one for say, but at least he did not deviate from what was presented to him. The polls were presented to him. Dr. Dawes came out ahead in the polls, so he went with that choice, which is the right thing. Let us not get mis um confused on okay, but he said it or it said he chose that. At the end of the day, who determined that Dr. Dawes be the, the better candidate? The polls. It's not as though Dr. Dawes did not come out strong in the polls and then he chose to do it. I could understand. Don't let that confuse us. The polls, the internal polling showed that Dr. Dawes was the option. It's his fellow party people that chose him. So I think the thing is, um, we're getting, well, at least... I don't know. Let me speak for myself. I'm not looking into what Mark Golding has said. Oh, I chose him, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm going according to what is presented to me, the votes that were actually counted. If I'm making sense. Go ahead, Javed. I'm so sorry. No, I was going to say, I'm not really sure how the votes are done there, but I'm going to talk from my sitting on a board. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. maybe... If there was a tie or something, then the leader would be the one to decide. And I'm not saying that this happened in this instance, right. but I guess we have to go back and get more information. That's all. So, and I agree with what you just said. If there is a tie, the leader would make the decision. However, there was a huge differential when it came to the two people who were running, um, Campbell and Dawes were running for that constituency. There, I can't remember the numbers now, but there was a, a, a significant um, difference in the percentages, in the numbers. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think I think we should follow up on the story because what what I'm getting is that there's there there's a different there are different layers, right? Mm -hmm. In um in terms of choosing within there are um different layers in terms of delegate delegates and um different mem different people in the community that would be a part of that vote. What I'm getting from the story is that the people that they think um the the delegates the ones that are um they think that are more important to this process, like people that are members of the PMP. Like you have a first level where those people vote, but then you have another level and it didn't get to that level for those people to vote. That's what I'm getting from it. I didn't like, hear that at all in anything that was read no, or, but that's or what I'm played. Getting, that's what I'm getting from it. Though, but no, how you reach and how did you arrive that far? Because that wasn't said anywhere here, James. No, no because no, you're confusing me. <laughs> So why don't we just do some more research? Yeah, fair enough. Because we're going to be going back and forth. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we, we're going to have to definitely wait for more information to come out. And very well, James, what may come up may support your argument, right? And definitely negate, man. We don't know. So let us, because right now we're going down the avenues of assumption. And I don't want to do that. I am working with what is presented in to me what is made available to me and that's how i'm arguing if i'm making sense so we're going to definitely do some more research we're going to do some digging and hopefully more will come to the forefront so that we can settle this right james <laughs> all right next up separation of powers meaning and importance courtesy of jamaicaobserver.com what are the powers referred to in the term separation of powers the main powers of the government are described as legislative, the making of laws, executive, the implementation of laws and making of policies, and judicial, the interpretation of laws, determination of legal rights and obligations and their enforcement. How is separation applied to these powers? Essentially, it means that the same persons should not exercise the different powers or control the exercise of more than one such power. And what is the reason for this doctrine or principle? Well, in an effort to prevent dictatorship by the concentration of powers in one person or group of persons, the principle of separation of powers gained support and widespread acceptance. So how does it work? In the complexities of moder modern government, it is not possible or practical to achieve strict separation of powers, so there have been compromises in different constitutional systems, such as giving the executive powers the right to make legislative instruments. Is there true separation of powers in Jamaica? In Jamaica, of the three powers, only the judicial power can be said to be truly separate in the sense that in the determination of particular cases, neither the executive nor the legislature can give directions to the judges. Neither the executive nor the legislature control their appointment with the exception of the appointment of the chief justice and president of the court of appeal. Neither the executive nor the legislature can decide on the discipline or dismissal judges. 
So what is the position in respect of the legislative and executive branches of the government? At the top of the executive, the prime minister and cabinet ministers are members of the legislature, the House of Representatives or Senate, and essentially control the majority vote. These executive officers, therefore, formulate the laws which are to be passed by the legislature. In many cases, these laws give to the executive members the power to make extensive subordinate legislation, regulations, or rules which give wide legislative powers to the executive. Are there any provisions in the Constitution which limit the powers of the executive? There are several provisions which limit or control the vast powers of the executive, including the appointment of independent officers, such as the Auditor General and the Director of Public Prosecutions. The executive also has to conform with provisions of the Constitution relating to the protection of human rights and fundamental freedoms and conformity with an open parliamentary process. All right, so this is just a little civics as we get ready in Jamaica to make that shift. So um, if anyone wants to, anyone listening online on um, Jano Radio or QMZ Radio, please feel free to visit jamaicaobserver.com and you can do a search for separation of powers, meaning, and importance as we go through the steps to become closer to being a republic, all right? Because we talk about the need to have town hall meetings. We need to talk about interaction within communities across the island um, and breaking things down and explaining things to the, to the, 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 the layman or putting it in layman terms, so to speak, so that people can have a better understanding, understand the differences within the structure that we're about to embark on. I think it's important. So I am grateful that the Jamaica Observer has indeed um, put this in their paper online, I should say rather, <laughs> electronic media, for us to be able to share. All right. Um. I'm going to see if I'm able to get a legal representative who can probably go further in depth with us um, so that we can gain a better understanding. All right. So there we go. That's it. That one wraps up this segment of um, the Coffee and Toe Caribbean Corner coming up after our music break. We are going to have news from the international scene and out of North America. It is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women today, every Wednesday. Here's TLC Waterfalls. We'll be right back.
happy Wednesday. Thank you to everyone listening online. The Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. To everyone listening on JanoRadio.com, download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go.
Thank you to everyone rocking it out right here with me on Clubhouse. After all, this is where the conversation happens. I appreciate each and every one of you. Coming up in a couple minutes, it's back to business stories from the international scene. The next story has me a little upset. I don't know what the UK court is thinking, but we'll dive into the story. Yeah. the first time I heard this song I thought it was Janet Jackson and then I learned it wasn't her but Shanice I was like okay there is a similarity isn't there or am I the only one hearing the similarity It is the top of the hour. We're going to go ahead and get back to business. Time for stories on the international scene. Thank you, Shanice. UK court rules in favor of Shell in Nigerian oil spill case. So now you see why I'm upset, right? Um, this story is courtesy of AlJazeera.com. The United Kingdom's Supreme Court has ruled that it was too late for a group of Nigerian claimants to sue two Shell subsidiaries over a 2011 offshore oil spill. On December 2011, an estimated 40,000 barrels of crude oil leaked when a tanker was loaded at Shell's Bonga oil field, which is 75 miles off the coast of Nigeria's Niger Delta. Shell disputed the allegations and said the bonga spill was dispersed offshore and did not impact the shoreline. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court upheld rulings by two lower courts that found the plaintiffs had brought their case after the six-year legal expiry date. A panel of five Supreme Court justices unanimously rejected the claimant's argument that the ongoing consequences of the pollution represented a continuing nuisance. According to the Reuters news agency, the court did not look at the evidence supporting either side's assertions or make a ruling on the issue. It only decided the legal point of nuisance. The Supreme Court rejects the claimant's submission. There was no continuing nuisance in this case. That's according to Justice Andrew Burroughs as he delivered the ruling. The leak was a one-off event or an isolated escape. 
The oil pipe was no longer leaking after six hours, he said. A group of 27,800 people and 457 communities living in the Delta have been trying to sue Shell, saying the leftover oil slick polluted their lands and waterways and damaged farming, fishing, drinking water, mangrove forests, and religious shrines. The average life expectancy in the region is 41 years, 10 years lower than the national average. UK courts have previously ruled against Shell in another case involving pollution in the Niger Delta. In February 2021, the Supreme Court allowed a group from the Ogale and Billy communities to sue Shell over spills, and that case is currently through the High Court. At that time, Shell said it was not responsible for most of those spills and said they were caused by illegal third-party interference. According to a Shell spokesperson, we believe litigation does little to address the real problem in the Niger Delta. Oil spills due to crude oil theft, illegal raining and sabotage with which SPDC, which is Shell's Nigerian subsidiary, is constantly faced and which caused the most environmental damage. In a separate case in 2015, Shell agreed to pay 55 million pounds or 70 million US to the Delta's Bodo community in compensation for two spills after a legal battle in London. What's the term statute of limitations? Is, is that the right term that I'm using when we talk about the time frame within which you are able to make a claim in the courts. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Yes, you are. Okay. Thank you so much. So evidently the statute of limitations has passed, but let us talk about corporate responsibility, corporate social responsibility. Let's talk about that for a second. Why can't we do the right thing? Moments in all fairness, corporate responsibility is a moot point. They would not do the right thing. <laughs> and this this thing they're trying to pop out stating about illegal um, tapping of pipelines and stuff. One of the reasons why people start tapping the pipelines from Shell in the Delta is because they have been exploiting the people, taking the resources, mashing up the land. They can't farm. They can't fish. They, you're literally taking away the livelihood and you are doing nothing for the region. They have been irresponsible. I mean, these corporations, the Shells, the Exxon and them are international crime syndicates going around the world, just committing crimes all over the world and getting away with it. And we go back to the same thing about the Privy Council and stuff. We have to take them to court in these jurisdictions where the judges and everybody, even if they do not benefit from them directly, sympathizes with them because from the, they're from the same looting class. <laughs> and then we expect to get justice. You know, and James said it here many times. Mm -hmm. In these cases, to get justice, we have to start to take things in our hands. Mm -hmm. The CEOs and the people making the decisions at these corporation offices are immune from any kind of prosecutions. They are immune from any effect of the atrocities that they are causing. You're literally decimating the Delta. Remove billions. And then you, you feel proud because you pay 55 million 
in, in one lawsuit that you really couldn't wiggle your way out of. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Thank you, Donalyn. Julie says, Shell has done nothing but taken from the Delta. They haven't built any hospitals or schools. All they do is take, take, take. The land is barren because of oil spills. The fish are all gone. I invite you to click, for those of you on Clubhouse, click on the link at the top of the page and just scroll down. Would you want to get up to that every day? This is where you live. This is where you farm. Your life expectancy has been cut by 10 years because of the pollution. Because of pollution. But we're not even highlighting the diseases that the people go through. The, 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 the kids that have to grow in those environments. You know, it's like it's criminal for these organizations to be declaring billions and billions of dollars every year and can't even be responsible. Like, they don't even care. They don't even pretend to care. They don't. They don't. And I'm glad you said pretend to care, which goes back to Geely's point. Pretend to care. Build some schools. Build some health centers that are up to par, comparable with those in developed countries. Take care of the elderly. Do something. Not that we're going to say, okay, that will excuse. Yeah, you can continue polluting. That's not what we're saying either. Have some social responsibility. Step up and say, you know something? The statute of limitations has passed, but we are going to go about seeing how we can clean up as much as possible. Will we be able to get rid of everything? Possibly not. But at least we are showing that we care about your community that we are raping. But how how the statute of limitation could pass on things like that? I don't if know. You came in and rape and decimate the, the land and the people since what the nineteen fifties or whenever. And you're talking nonsense about statutes of limitation pass. So what are you going to do with them? So you will give back the money you make during that time. The money you make during that time, isn't that same money you invest in to go forward and to, that, that you have all your billions from? They make billions from the, from the Delta, you know, billions. And you're talking about a 55 million payout. Should you even mention that? And if they was engaging responsible with the community and giving the community their fair share, do you think we'll be at that stage today? And we have to depend on, on a, a court that is full of, in some cases, a lot of old white racist people. Hmm. Hmm. Who will they judge to? So, you know something, Donald? So I pulled up Shell, right, on Google. Their customer service number is 1-888-467-4355. And there's a reason I've issued the number. Everybody needs to start calling this number and bombarding the life out of them. Okay. Revenue for 2022, folks. Are you ready for the revenue? Who wants to hear it? Do we even want to hear it? $381.3 billion. Shell PLC, formerly Shell Oil Company, Inc., is the United States-based 
wholly owned subsidiary of Shell PLC, a UK-based transnational corporation oil major, which is amongst the largest oil companies in the world. Goes back to what you said. Uh, was it Donald or was it James? Um, <laughs> when we talk about Privy Council versus the Caribbean Court of Justice. Six hour and a half a dozen a day and a So they're going to cater to the powers that be. Shall well win. Look, woman, somebody put in the chat, right? The suit in the air is so bad that you cannot even leave a white sheet outside. I'll be damned. So imagine, imagine that. Imagine that. And you're breathing in that every day. Hold on a second, folks. Rosalind was 87 years old when she died, but they claim her death was hastened by her exposure to oil pollution. You make her to fall sick, and you take her to clinic, you do this before she dies, we are spending money on her health because of the water. Mercy is covered in skin rashes. She says it's from ingesting and bathing in contaminated water. Royal Dutch Shell has been producing oil in Ogoniland since 1958. The Ogale community is now suing it for environmental damages. Emene Godwin Okpabi is the man leading the charge against the oil giant. He says his community feels betrayed by Shell. I am devastated that, that up to now, Shell, Royal Dutch Shell, is trying to see how they can hide away from this. What Royal Dutchell did in Ogale, they killed our people, they are still killing our people. So those who are making profit or those who have made profit out of this need to know that it is blood money. They say the devastation caused by almost 70 years of oil exploration in Nigeria's Niger Delta is massive. Thousands of hectares of mangroves, land and water sources have been damaged. It's estimated it could take between 30 to 50 years to restore the polluted sites to what they were before. More than 50 oil spills have been recorded in Ogali and Billy communities polluting farms and rivers, contaminating fish stocks and drinking water. The communities want shell to pay compensation and clean up the area. The company says their case has no legal standing. Environmentalists say the situation in the two communities is dire. Well, by your report, if you go by that standard, they said that the groundwater impact there is 900 times above WHO standard. So it's killer. Now, and you have a spike of benzene. We know how lethal, how killer benzene is. Lawyers from the community claim Shell wants to delay Tuesday's hearing for another two years to wear down the villagers and eventually have the case thrown out. Hmm. And that could have wider implications. Their case is seen as a test as to whether multinationals can be held accountable for the actions of their overseas subsidiaries. Ahmed Idris, Al Jazeera, Ogale. So, Moments, coming back to your point of statute of limitation. It will take between 30 to 50 years to clean up the mess they, they cause. And you're saying that there is a statute of limitation on your case? 
30 to 50 years. Can we abandon shell? You have to take the kids and bring them in the environment for a year and let them drink and the same water and eat the same food and you'll see how fast it will clean up. Yeah. They need to go there, go glamping, right? Glamorous camping with no glamour attached to it. The telephone number for customer service for Shell is one triple eight four six seven four three five five. You have to repeat that number slowly. The customer service number for <laughs> Shell, 1-888-467-4355. Headquarters, London. Founded April 23, 1907. Revenue for 2022, $381.3 dollars they are killing the people who rely on the delta hoping wearing people out that the case will get tossed out and here it is that's what we're reporting today right the uk court so i wonder how much money the uk court was paid to toss it out on the grounds <laughs> they're all in bed together and when you speak about it you know what the first thing they would say oh nigeria is corrupt yes yes that's the first thing oh these corrupt politicians yes that is why the people suffering they don't care about the people they have so much oil where is the oil money going this I mean, is the kind of nonsense people are going to tell you there's an easy fix to it i just can't say it on air i mean you know i don't think it's a hard yeah, moments. Yes, James. Yeah, I, I spoke about it a few months ago too, but you remember like in the, the 80s and even in the 90s when even like in America, the politics was, you know, a part of the campaign was like, you know, to avoid too big to fail companies. You remember that term? Too big mm -hmm. to fail? Mm -hmm. And the thing is like people who campaign against these type of um, companies got major pushback like you know what are the damages that you know why is government trying to stifle businesses right and we're seeing everything play out now like when we allow these companies like when we um globalization and one world economy where you know companies are allowed to go across borders and become like giants this is the result mm -hmm. you know like in america in in North America, they tried to do it with airlines. You, you, we have seen recently where, like, governments tried to stop airlines from from merger, like from from coming to, to, together to 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 create like a super airline, mm -hmm. because then it takes away competition. We have seen that in recent times. We have seen it with telecommunications, right? Mm -hmm. Where like you don't allow Verizon to take over Sprint or whatever because it's going to be too, but. I, I believe that the, the leaders of the world have a responsibility to hold these companies accountable. But these companies are too big now and they have too much money to shove under the table to give politicians. So this is why we're not getting anywhere. Like Shell is not going to be responsible for anything, you know? And they're the same one going into 
I think they're going into into Guyana now. So we have to be careful. You know, these companies they don't care about people. They just come and just rape your 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 your, your land and and kill your people and and take away the the the, the resources and the money and they go they don't care about you you know so i think we need to start looking back into these things you know too big to fail companies that put profit first and don't care about um our citizens don't care about these are the same companies that get uh, the most tax exemptions Mm -hmm. you know small businesses don't get tax exemption but these two big to fail companies billions of dollars um loophole in, in 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 taxes and they're just destroying um especially third world countries, like smaller countries, they're just destroying them. So, yeah, we need to be careful of them. When you look at the video that I just um, played, you just heard the audio. And of course, there are other videos all over YouTube. It's distressing. And it's, you know, you think about countries and communities that are always affected gravely and it's always the communities with the disenfranchised according to th- first world standards right because we we might be here referring to them as poor communities but they're really not because what is poverty what is riches they probably live the best lifestyle. Your health is your wealth. They were able to farm, trade, barter, breathe good air, which we can't, aff- we don't have that here. We don't have that. We don't have access to that. And that was taken away from them because of greed and power. I say people abandon and um, stop supporting Shell. We have to change the narrative. Yeah. Because the richest countries in the world are paraded as poor and destitute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at the look at the Congo. Mm-hmm. Look at what's happening there. These same transnational companies are financing militia groups to destabilize region they mm-hmm. want to exploit. And no one is holding them accountable. Nobody. As James always say, I have never seen an oppressor in history who willingly stop oppressed people. We have to start to fight for what is ours. You know, as you're saying that, it Don, is as, as, it would not be given a hand over to us. It would not happen ever. Facts. As you said that, I came across a video. I, I can't remember if I saved it. I'm looking to see if I did. Um, but I think we have spoken here about um, regentrification of neighborhoods, for example, here in the U.S. And I remember saying, why is it that we don't fix up our neighborhoods so that, you know, why are we allowing our neighborhoods to get run down? Well, I was brought to school. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to say it, right? Um I was brought to school that many times it is not the people in the communities who are destroying the communities. What you will do is you'll have white investors who will go into the communities, buy up the real estate and allow it to run down. Right. 
And by doing so, what happens? It, the community is devalued. So they will devalue it down into the ground. And then once it's at that point, uh-huh, then they know how to, I'm, I'm here looking for it, and then they know how to get you out of there, build it up, right? Because now it's worth nothing. Let's say that. And then they flip it and make millions off of it. So, you're right, Donald. This is what they're doing. They are destroying countries um, that they think. You see, we don't think it worked much because of what they've been doing to it and what they're showing us and making it look as though it's not worth anything. When the truth is, they know the value of it and they know why they're trying to deregulate and... um tear it right down because it benefits them in the long run because when they do this you know what's gonna happen you know what their hope is Let, let's be real the hope is that these people will move and when the people move what happened them get the land them get the land it's a win get, for them they're getting distracted by the charity porn acts yes they put on tv you know, you, you show Africa a set of children that fly on their face. The same organization showing you the same ad since 1902 with the same kids with the flies on their face. They're in these communities for 50, 60 years, but the kids still have fly on their face. So what do they do with the money? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, and every ad is poor, poor. Africa is poor. Mm -hmm. Africa is poor. Mm -hmm. This person is poor. This person is destitute. These people is corrupt. It's still every Western country doing business in all these corrupt countries. Mm. In all these corrupt countries with these so-called dictators. Who is doing business in there? Mm -hmm. Is there any country that Shell and Exxon and them don't be in? Nigeria is so corrupt. What are they doing in Nigeria? Mm. Why are they going to say that we leave the corrupt people by themselves? <laughs> Agreed. Yep. What what moment? That's that's one of the 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 prime thing from 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 the 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 billionaire playbook. You know, because I think New York, a lot of places places we can point to as examples, like some of these places when they were developed in the fifties, like you know they develop a thriving community, like say like a Caribbean community, in in the states, in in New York, in 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 different parts, even in in Canada here. You know, like immigrants come over and they develop like this um, location in the 50s, in the 60s. At the time when it was developed, it was a garbage location. You know, fast forward 20 years, 30 years now, because of um, the growth of the, the population and economy and proximity, it's now a prime location. And what they do, they flood these communities with drugs. Um, turn them into low-income communities for the most part because a lot of these communities, when people came to them in the 60s, the, these people were working and paying their, their, their mortgages, paying their rent, and these communities weren't like drug-infested communities. Fast forward now, 20, 30 years, they turn these communities into low-income, drug-infested communities, and then the community just became run down. And all of a sudden, when it goes to, to the ground, 
investors come in and just buy out. You look across the world, you see a lot of these communities that were immigrant communities mm-hmm. have the highest skyscrapers now <laughs> with, 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 with buildings going up like a million, two million dollar one bedroom flat, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, we have it here in Miami. Yeah. We and have it here, so ago, don't. 30 years ago, it was an yeah. immigrant. 30 years ago, those communities were like, you know, you know, babysitters. They were like immigrant teachers. They were like farmers living yep. in these communities. And now, because of proximity to airport or to mm-hmm. whatever, they, they push them out. We have yeah. it here. We have it here in Miami. We have it here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, two communities, for example. One is Overtown. The other one is um, Sistrunk. We have it here. We, we, we see it. It's a deliberate um, ploy. Yeah. Uh, that Africa has uh, vast strategic minerals, which is correct. Um, it's also the case that they're not exclusive to Africa. Oh, I need to say that the following countries, this is a TikTok video. You know, there are some videos that I have saved um, that I like to use as my talking points for us to make reference to. Um, not just videos where people sit down and are just blurting, but they have supporting facts behind them, so on and so forth. And I'm going through my fa- my favorites on TikTok, and these videos no longer exist. I must let you know. So, yeah, if I can't find it to play for you, I'm sorry, folks. It ain't me. They removing them. But anyway, this one is, um, these are countries that are targeted. Congo, Zambia, Tanzania, Zimbabwe. Ethiopia, uh, Kenya, Nigeria, Cameroon, and Nigeria. And I'm going to start the video uh, over. Africa has uh, vast strategic minerals, which is correct. Um, it's also the case that they're not exclusive to Africa. Um, you can find these minerals in a lot of places around the world. It's just that we have largely declined to mine them around the world, and now it's predominantly mined in Africa. Is that right? That's right, Senator. Senator Kelly and I have introduced something called the Reshore Act um, with goals to uh, shore up domestic and defense supply chains for these critical minerals. Um, Do you think that China is targeting these minerals in its Belt and Road Initiative in Africa? Um, I do. Uh, There are some minerals, and I think I I didn't provide the chart now, but I can have it in closed session. There are some minerals that are, uh, if not unique to Africa, they are predominantly found there, and all of our countries, to include us, uh, rely on those imports. Yeah. And I believe China's maneuvering to secure those. Probably a bad idea to make ourselves dependent on China, ourselves being the civilized world that, uh, that Africa has. <laughs> so the irony, right, <laughs> is that they are the ones mining it now. Mm-hmm. They're not making the civilized world dependent on them. <laughs> but now, China wants to come in the back door and mind it. And all of a sudden, China wants to make the civilized world dependent on them. Notice. Go ahead, Donald. Notice nothing was said of, of the owners of the minerals, right? There was just bystanders in their conversation. <laughs> Y'all caught that, right? <laughs> yeah, mo- moments yes. like find gold in your backyard. Don't tell anybody. Just make it stay. Not even uno me I tell. Not even uno. <laughs> uno would I never know. 
no no wonder why my Bafoli in Tanzania just died of whatever he died from suspiciously. Because he was one of the African leaders that refused to visit the West. He refused to, to, to buy the luxury vehicles. He, he transformed the country overnight. Refused to spend money on, on all of the unnecessary stuff. He started to build schools and fix his hospitals and all this stuff like that. Banned foreign travel for, for government officials going to hospitals and stuff. And you can tell them die in Tanzania if they can't fix the hospital. They do not like people like that. Mm-hmm. Because people like that takes back the power. So they mm-hmm. have to try to put puppet. They don't like Kagame in Rwanda. You understand? And they would not want um, the Congo to be influenced by what happened in Rwanda. Because anyhow the Congo become under proper leadership, they will always start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mercy help us help us help us ah yes anyway you know what don't don't be surprised if there are like certain minerals in cuba too Uh, (laughs) i would not be surprised haiti yep Mm. well there are a lot of minerals in haiti Mm -hmm. there are going in haiti you think they just assassinated the haitian president by accident and they want Haiti to kill. They want the Haitians to kill off them one another. They want it because when the land is barren, then they're gonna go in. But how do you go from a country that was relatively well governed? You could say what you want about Haiti, but Haiti was relatively well governed compared to most countries. How does a country like that goes from people that was affiliated with the U.S. allegedly comes in? assassinates the president and all of a sudden Haiti has more guns than people. (laughs) Wake up, folks. Stop sleeping. Why the time we talking the truth, you you people want to distort my line. Y'all stop it. But it's true. But, um, yeah, we're going to... We gotta keep moving. Oh, check the chat. Some nice comments are in the chat, folks. Really nice comments in the chat. But I gotta keep moving. Imran Khan, Pakistan's former prime minister, is arrested in Islamabad. Story courtesy of NPR, and I do have a soundbite for this one. Hey, NPR listeners, Planet Money can tie any topic back to the economy. And from launching a satellite to adopting an abandoned superhero, they make it educational and entertaining. Click the play button below to listen to a recent episode. Support for NPR comes from Amazon Business, a 2023 lead sponsor of Planet Money. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Learn more at AmazonBusiness.com. In Pakistan, security forces have arrested the former Prime Minister Imran Khan. He lost his job but has since been favored to win it back in upcoming elections. He's also been fighting charges in more than 100 cases alleging corruption, and now he is in custody. NPR's Dia Hadid is in Islamabad, the capital. Hey there, Dia. Hi, Steve. What happened? 
So today, security forces seized uh, Imran Khan from a courthouse where he was in Islamabad. We could see footage um, that was shared by his supporters that showed paramilitary forces in khaki smashing a courthouse window to reach him. And we might have some of that ambi now. Let's listen. Sounds chaotic. It, it, it was. And, and following his detention, there was panic across Islamabad. The roads were clogged up with commuters uh, trying to get home. Parents were trying to pick up their kids from school. Police had closed off some roads. The internet was cut off in some areas. That was apparently to prevent protesters from coordinating. Still, Khan supporters have blocked traffic in different intersections across the country. Where I live in Islamabad, some supporters even pelted uh, commuter cars and they announced more spontaneous protests on Twitter. Now, you said khaki-clad paramilitary men, which sounds different than, say, an officer of the court or police officers. I have so many questions now. Is it clear that he's been arrested by the authorities and not taken by somebody else? Is it clear which agency did this? What do you know, and why is this happening? So the Interior Minister, Rana Salallah, issued a tweet and also held an impromptu press conference. And he says Khan was arrested in conjunction with a case against him in Pakistan's anti-corruption courts. Now, critics say these courts are being used to hound people who were critical of the military. And it's also not clear why they had to undertake such a dramatic arrest of him, considering he was in a court at the time and could have been handed a warrant. But I think what happened in previous days probably illuminates why we've reached this point today. Khan has made a point in recent days of naming a specific military intelligence officer as being behind an attempt to uh, assassinate him in November last year. Hmm. Not only has he named him, he's also given him the moniker Dirty Harry. So it's sort of adding insult to injury. And so yesterday evening, Pakistan's military issued a highly unusual and very sharply worded statement against Imran Khan warning him that he was acting irresponsibly. And so it seems that the arrest today has come into that context. And now, analysts say the next few hours and days could really decide the short-term future of this country. Among other things, we want to know what happens to Khan. Does he reappear in court? Does he stay in custody? And you don't know anything, do we? No one in Pakistan knows anything yet. Dia, thanks so much. Really appreciate the update. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. NPR's Dia Hadid is in Islamabad, Pakistan, where former Prime Minister Imran Khan has been arrested today. All right, anybody, let me be honest, I have not been following this story. Anybody can bring us up to speed with what's really going on? You see, there is election coming up, and Imran Khan most likely would win because he has a lot of support. There is a, a lot of charges and so that was brought against him. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if any of it would stick. Okay. The whole uh, way they put the report, like khaki clad, listen, that's the uniform of the police there. Right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's all trying to mislead people. But again, the man was in court when you arrested him. So if he was in court, and you have to break, what, you have to break the court window to get him? You have to try it. So he's not running from anything. Imran Khan has been campaigning all over. He's been speaking publicly and every stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think they're afraid that he will go back in power because I think there was an impeachment and stuff 
against him and so on. So he's one of the, the person that is going in a direction they don't like because he's moving away from the West also. Mm-hmm. And he's more looking to embrace China and stuff like that. So as much as he's a controversial, he might be a controversial figure, how do you look at it? I mean, you know who is behind it. You know, I was about to ask, I, I didn't want to assume, but I'm glad you said it because I was about to ask the question, could the West be behind this? Um, is it that he's trying to align himself with China or, you know, push more that way, especially with BRICS? Um, you know, go ahead, go ahead. When Musharraf was in power, he has done some of the stuff that is worse than Imran Khan. He, he undoubtedly was a dictator. But he was supported by the rest because he was in bed with America and them. But anybody that tried to die, so they don't care who run or who rule the country as long as you're ruling in their favor. Whether you like Iran Khan or not, it is clear what's happening here. Mm. So in the chat, Adesojan, I hope I said it right, said Pakistan is a nuclear power. Um, Imran Khan is pushing the country towards China and the West is not in favor of such a move. So another person thinking, well, explaining or expounding what my thoughts are. It sounds like, a, is it geopolitics? We want to call it that. He has aligned himself by not supporting the war against Russia. But isn't India part of BRICS? Brazil, Russia, India. China, what's the yeah, well, in Pakistan. South he's America? In Pakistan. Oh, Pakistan. Yeah, okay. but India is part of India. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nineteen. How much more countries now applying, including Nigeria, yes. to join BRICS? Yes. So that alliance will be a powerful alliance soon. Yeah. Because they wouldn't deny them. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, I think Iran, Nigeria, a couple of countries looking to join BRICS. Let me. I question was raised here the other day donald james was it you who said it or somebody else or am i dreaming how is it that no country in africa has nuclear weapons so how i would have nuclear weapons and you'll come and take my resources (laughs) who gives countries permission to have nuclear weapons who the powers that be, the people that control that control all the countries that that have nuclear arms. That is why Imran Khan is such a dangerous figure to the West, because he's going in the direction he's going, and having as much support that he has in mm-hmm. Pakistan, and having um, access to nuclear weapons, could be a game changer. Hmm. So, he would wake up dead one morning. It's easier to do that. So, so by the whole continent of black people, why black people can't have not nuclear weapons? South Africa, <laughs> no, uh, South Africa used to have during the apartheid regime, uh-huh. and, and the moment um, majority rule was coming in, they handed all the the weapons and the plans to the United States. In fact, when Castro met um, when Castro met Mandela. The first question he asked is, have you gotten the nuclear codes? He said, Fidel, they've not told me anything. He said, you should ask. And when Mandela asked, he said, well, we've stopped the nuclear program. Uh, what's his name? Also had um, Gaddafi. 
And the moment he stopped his plans, that was when they went in 2017. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, Adesogen. I hope I said it right. Welcome to Coffee and Toe. Welcome to the stage. Um, I said it right? Yes, spot on. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Huh. Control, huh? Black people must be controlled by all means necessary. We cannot allow them to own their own things or trade their own things. We cannot allow them to have anything that could possibly for just a minute second put them ahead of us. Hmm. So I said this um, some time ago. Yes, you know, we may not be in chains and whatever, but we're still enslaved. We're still being controlled. We're, you know, everybody's dictating to us. They do as they like with us. And because we don't have anything to fight back with, we can't win. And but believe it or not, moments, not cutting you. Yeah. Change is coming because the I youths are waking so. up and they're seeing what's going on. I believe so. You have you and I in the diaspora who's looking at what's happening on the continent, who is visiting the continent, who is playing an active role now. You, you have leaders that are rising up and they may not be as vocal as, they, as some of the predecessors because they realize being vocal is a dead sentence. Mm -hmm. But a lot of work is happening mm -hmm. on the ground. You understand? And change will come. It may be come. slow, but it will come. You have the, the, even the social media, where you have these black influencers toward Africa, literally showing a different side of Africa and printing positive outlook as opposed to the, the, the charity porn we get in mainstream media. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um... Here's what I would love to see. I would love to see us stop propagating the mission of those that bring us the weapons, that bring the weapons into our countries and give it to us to guard our resources for their benefit. Am I making sense? For example, you come into my country you find diamonds, you set up your, your, your offices and what have you, and then you give my people guns to protect the property that you say is yours. And I end up taking said guns and killing my own people. When are we going to stop killing our people for their benefit? When are we going to keep stop keeping our people impoverished for their benefit? While they live their lavish lifestyles. We send our children into mines. We have our women bending over. We have our, have our young boys not going to school. For what? It is time we make a shift. It is urgent. It is necessary. The weapons that they're giving you, don't use them against your people, I beg. Stop. 
Stop killing your people to protect them. Whilst we're talking away, breaking away from the monarchy and while we're championing the rights to have artifacts and jewels and whatever and uh, returned to various countries throughout the continent of Africa and while Caribbean countries are crying out for reparations and other countries who have been affected, whilst while they're crying out, let us stop committing atrocities against each other. Because we, if we cannot take them over unless we are bonded together, we can't. We're going to lose. But when you start to restrict things like the media presence in your country and the, the propaganda machines, they say you're stifling free press. But if these are the things that are being portrayed to our youth and our people constantly, and there is hardly any positive programming, how will you get rid of it? It's like saying advertisement has no effect. If you get up every day and you see the same thing, like the same charity porn, I will go back for years. People in the West see poor people in Africa starving, big bellies. So that is the image that was painted subconsciously. It's only now that a lot of us decide not to accept the narrative and to go. You understand? If you look at a place like, as I say, Rwanda, it's cleaner than Singapore. But they will call Paul Kami a dictator. Look at where he take his people from the genocide to now. How much African leaders do that? The ones that are so-called good leaders, where are they taking the country? They don't want good leaders. They mm-hmm. want good puppets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the Kagame case is a double-edged sword. And why do I say that? Um him being allowed to be, when I say allowed, a uh, very strong word, uh, being allowed to be the leader of uh, Rwanda, there's a reason. Um, he needs to be able to allow a back door into the Congo to be able to funnel out um, cobalt and uh, coltan. Rwanda is, <laughs> unfortunately, Rwanda produces coltan but has no mines. So, Let's guess, where is it coming from? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Are you there or is it me? Did I? Oh, okay. No, I'm there. Oh, oh I'm you're there, done. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I mean, it's just to <sighs> point out the, uh, the irony of, you know, of um, this uh, so-called champions of, um, even how he got there is also funny. He basically took out two heads of states on a plane as they were landing. And as they say, the rest is history. So, <laughs> um, But pretty much, though, when you think about it, everything is like a double-edged sword. You're going to have the good, the bad. Sometimes you have to do the bad to get to the good. Sometimes extremism is what is needed so that we can have um have the opportunity to institute what is right and what is just because if we sometimes if you don't get rid of what's wrong it continues to be there like a sore so you know double-edged swords are sometimes necessary you know sometimes not all the time all right next story oh (laughs) it's 
catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. In our segment, this is America first up. Louisiana man shot child playing hide and seek story courtesy of um, WSVN Miami, courtesy of the Associated Press. Uh, a Louisiana man has been charged with aggravated assault and battery after shooting at children who had been playing hide and seek outside his home, striking a 14 year old girl, officials have said. The girl suffered a gunshot wound to the back of the head early on Sunday and was taken to a hospital with injuries that were not considered life threatening. Investigators learned that several children were playing hide-and-seek in the Starks neighborhood and were hiding on the neighbor's property. David Doyle, 58, told detectives that he got his gun when he saw shadows outside his home and shot at people he saw running away, unknowingly hitting the girl. It's the latest in a series of recent shootings sparked by seemingly trivial circumstances. Doyle was arrested and charged with aggravated battery for counts of aggravated assault with a firearm and illegal discharge of a firearm. It is not known whether Doyle has an attorney to speak on his behalf. So you live in this neighborhood. You don't know these children at all. You don't know that these children live in the neighborhood. You don't know that these children play. You just see shadows. You see children running away and decide to shoot. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Something ain't right. <laughs> what if this little girl had died? So you're telling me then that, for example, my neighbors, um, when their young boys are playing soccer outside, that myself, the two other neighbors right in front of me, that we should just take out guns and shoot them for playing in our yards. So if I see an Amazon UPS or any vehicle, you know, when you, know, when you want to make a turn, you don't want to go to the end of the street. You just want to make a turn and get out the neighborhood. So if any of them come in my driveway, I'm a, I should just shoot them, right? This is what we're doing, right? This is America. This is America. I'm sorry. Every day we wake up to another atrocity. Every day we wake up to something unimaginable. Every day we wake up to something ridiculous bizarre uh is it venezuela or colombia who is doing the repatriation hurry up and get your people away from the border they really don't need to come here for real for real because they might just get here and then die because people are just either gonna drive them down or target them at a mall or something and yes, the common thread, it's white men who are doing this, especially older white men. Y'all gonna die soon anyway. What's, what, what, what happened? Just bide your time. 
No need to be committing crimes, taking lives, or at committing attempted murders. Enjoy the rest of your days peacefully. But, ah, let us not forget. Let us not forget. We, we identified the problem. And in case you need a reminder, I'll be happy to remind you why we have a problem in this country. Um, I, I told you all yesterday, you know, we did a diagnosis. Here we go. The one thing I will never understand here, how people keep on telling me how I'm privileged and here and there and this and that. Oh, because I have family. Guys, let me explain to you how Italian culture works, which is one thing that I don't know why in America they don't teach you. And this is probably why you have one of the highest depression rates and solitude rates in the world. Guys, in Italy, we have something that we call uh, societal welfare, social welfare, aka every single person has a network of people that helps each other out on different levels you have psychological problems you always have somebody to talk to family helps each other family raises you but then you take care of them so the perfect example i can give to you in italy we take care of the elders all the way to the end we take care of them in our houses you guys push them in a retirement home that is the saddest thing in the world you call it privilege because your society taught you about individualism probably because your society wants to control you because there's one way you control people is to keep them isolated one by one alone let them see some kind of information let me dogmatize them and let me control them what you call privilege in italy is normality if your society is messed up it's not my fault before criticizing on the foundation of Italian society, which is the societal caution, look at your own, where you incentivize single families. They're literally... So I don't have to play the rest of, it, rest of it. Isolation. Isolation leads to what? Paranoia. And I can't... I, I will support that line. Isolation leads to paranoia. Um... <laughs> If you're in a space long enough by yourself, you ever think you see you swear you see somebody go by? It happened to me up to yesterday. I was in the kitchen and I want to say about three or four times I could have sworn I saw somebody go by. <laughs> don't, don't laugh. It's real. And it's not the first time I remember being at home back in Jamaica, being at home by myself, and I swear, I see somebody. Ain't nobody there. It's freaking paranoia. You start hearing things and seeing things. <laughs> Don't laugh at us. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. But yes, you start hearing things and, you, and then you become antsy. Yes. We need to go back to multi-generational households, if at all possible. If it's possible, we need to go back to that. They, they're building homes like that. They've been doing that for a couple of years now, multi-generational, where you know the grandparents can still be there or grandma or some other relative can still be there to one side of the house or something. But I think it's needed. We need to get back to that. Old people depressed because they're left alone, either shoved into nursing homes or their home in their, if they're in their own home, they're there alone. Nobody goes to look for them. Paranoia, loneliness, and depression. Think about it. No, for real, think about it. 
Get, uh, get rid of get the guns away from them. <laughs> That's it. We need to get them away from them. How the hell several children outside playing so clearly you know children live in the neighborhood with you you have seen these children more than once and i'm sure it's not the first time them playing hide and seek but today you were annoyed maybe he was afraid of your shadows <laughs> and i can understand if he was annoyed okay because as much you know the neighbors i just told you about their two boys that play um soccer sometimes i want to catch them and cut their hair off oh my god they're brazilian their hair is down to their butt long beautiful hair i feel like i want to snatch them cut their hair sell the hair and say okay y'all get inside and keep quiet but of course you know i'm just talking please folks don't take me seriously i'm only joking but almost every day i have to be throwing balls out of my backyard over to their backyard right it happens and you're like oh my gosh and yes i do get aggravated sometimes sometimes i'm not in the mood to go outside and pick up no damn ball and throw back over the fence but i would never in a million years look to harm a child they're children and then talk about you saw shadows U.S.-Mexico border will be chaotic for a while, according to our president, Joe Biden. ...of migrants turning themselves into U.S. Customs and Border officials on the U.S.-Mexico border. Those who entered the country illegally are being asked to come forward to see if they're eligible for Title 42 expulsion or Title 8 removal proceedings. Title 42, a Trump-era de deportation rule, is expected to be lifted tomorrow. Hold on a second. got to listen to that again. Turning themselves into U.S. Customs and Border officials on the U.S.-Mexico border. Those who entered the country illegally are being asked to come forward to see if they're eligible for Title 42 expulsion or Title 8 removal proceedings. Title so it's a removal regardless. Right? <laughs> I'm here thinking they're saying either you're going to be removed or you'll be allowed to. Title 42 expulsion or Title 8 removal. No, no removal. Same way. Just call a different name. Am I right or am I wrong? Regardless, it's a removal. So you want them to turn themselves <laughs> in to see which one they qualify for. Is it that is it that one of them will allow them to be able to um file? an asylum claim and the other one will not what's the difference between title 42 and title 8 okay government will pay your way out <laughs> <laughs> okay so we have title what was it 32 42 so what is title 42 what does it have to do with asylum oh uh, let's see so Title 42 has been in the news a lot these days. Images of migrants and those seeking asylum at the U.S. border, often families with young children, populate our TV screens and social media feeds. What is Title 42 and what does it have to do with people seeking asylum? Title 42 is part of the Public, service, the Public Health Service Act of 1944. Its purpose is to help prevent the spread of communicable diseases in the U.S., Responding to a cholera epidemic, Congress passed a law in 1893. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. So Congress passed 
passed a law in 1893 that later became Title 42. That law gave the president authority. <laughs> Donald, I'm going to close your bag for you. That law gave people the authority, gave the president rather authority to exclude people from certain countries during public health emergencies. Okay, 1893. According to Title 42, whenever the U.S. Director of the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, determines there is a communicable disease in another country, health officials have the authority, with the approval of the president, to prohibit the introduction of persons and property from such countries or places for as long as health officials determine it's necessary. That authority was held by the U.S. Surgeon General until it was transferred to the CDC Director in 1966. Okay, how is it being used today? When people discuss Title 42 today, they are usually talking about how the law has been used since the COVID-19 pandemic emerged. In March 2020, the Trump administration activated Title 42. Title 42 gives the U.S. Border Patrol the power to turn away people who are seeking asylum. All right, so the next one is what? Title 8? That's what the video said, right? Title eight what is that one title eight immigration oh hold on i just saw something title okay t i t l e title eight versus title 42 okay that's a good one so i think we're getting to the nitty-gritty of it folks under title 42 a migrant can illegally enter the u.s multiple times and be processed and expelled to mexico multiple times he or she is not incarcerated or fined let me say that again title 42 a migrant can illegally enter the u.s multiple times and be processed and expelled to mexico multiple times okay sounds like a tourist visa right <laughs> yes he or she is not incarcerated or fined now under title eight a migrant who crosses illegally into the U.S. the first time can face a fine or misdemeanor penalty before he or she is, is deported. All right. So let me see if I can put this in every day. I leave Jamaica. I get to the border and I illegally cross. Which one am I? 42 or 8. You're a tourist. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Which one am I classified under? 42 or 8? Do you, have, do you have a license? When the law was passed, Texas was probably still belonging to Mexico, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and now the question is, do you have lice? If you don't, then Title the 8. Okay, so Title 42 would def would mean that I'm coming from a country where there is some outbreak. Yeah, there's an outbreak. There's an outbreak. So ah. say at some point they declare, let me just say, for argument's sake, let's say Panama. People have uh, some sort of waterborne disease. Mm -hmm. And then you... And then you... And you pick up on that and you say, okay, just because some people have waterborne diseases, everybody from Panama, stay away. So mm. you be on the, the first one, the disease one. <laughs> 42? 
So yeah. title 42, disease. Mm -hmm. Title yeah. 8, we just are going to deport you. But title yeah, 42, yeah. you will have the opportunity opportunity to come back if and when the, the, the situation gets resolved in your country. Correct. Yeah, that's okay, it. Okay, that's it. All right. Yeah, you could go you could go sightseeing in your own country then come back. So, so when you get to the border then, right? We have to then let them know that there is some disease in our country that we're trying to escape. <laughs> so that way they don't deport us under title eight. <laughs> you see we gotta know how to play the game. Rosola says CDC was established in 1946. How is it a document from the 1800s? I think I missed something. <laughs> okay, Rosola. So let me pay attention. We're in civics class. Pay attention. Is this civics? What course is this we're taking? Please take out your notebooks, folks, and take notes. Pay attention. Don't let me have to move you to the front of the class. The back of the class not working out for your solo. I think I need to come to the front of the class. I do. I do. <laughs> so Congress passed a law in 1893 that later became Title 42. <laughs> you know what I've done. Agreed, Sean. Things that make you go, hmm. Indeed. All right. So... Arizona Democrat an Arizona lawmaker who is also a minister is under investigation for a Bible prank. Hey NPR listeners, up first is the news you need to start your morning. You'll hear the three biggest stories of the day plus reporting and analysis from NPR News. Click the play button below to listen. Support for NPR comes from Amazon Business, a 2023 lead sponsor of Up First. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Learn more at AmazonBusiness.com. Now to Arizona and the case of the missing Bibles. A Democratic state lawmaker was caught on hidden camera hiding Bibles left in the House Members Lounge. She later explained her actions as a peaceful protest against the weaponization of religion in politics and a playful protest for the separation of church and state. She is a Presbyterian minister. But as Ben Giles from member station KJZZ reports, not all of her colleagues are laughing. The footage may be grainy, but Representative Stephanie Stull-Hamilton's actions are clear. Amid a small gathering inside the Arizona House Members' Lounge, she wasn't exactly subtle. She swipes a Bible from an end table and places it under a nearby couch cushion. Another was found in a refrigerator. A prank Stull-Hamilton had been pulling for weeks had finally been captured on camera by House GOP leaders. She's since acknowledged and apologized for her actions. Nevertheless, She's now facing a formal ethics investigation. I hold scripture very dear to my heart. It is what guides me. It is what shapes and informs the decisions I make. In a speech delivered on the House floor, her intent, she said, was never to desecrate or offend. Concerns about the separation of church and state would have been better started as a conversation, not a prank like this. I recognize that my actions could have been seen as something less than playful and offensive. And for those of you who I have deeply offended, I apologize. That was never the intent. 
three first-term Republican representatives weren't impressed by her apology. They've since filed a formal ethics complaint, accusing Stahl Hamilton of theft, disorderly conduct, and creating a hostile work environment. The complaint could amount to nothing, or it could end in a House vote for punishment, as little as a censure, at most, expulsion. Some see the investigation as possible retribution for a separate ethics complaint filed this year by Stahl Hamilton herself that led to a GOP member's expulsion. Republican Representative Joseph Chaplick, the chairman of the Ethics Committee, said the matter warrants investigation. Something of this magnitude that's made national news, I think it's only wise to allow the the person that has the claim held against them to come and speak about it. Uh, Due process, let them talk and understand what happened, and let's figure out if this is a valid or invalid claim against them. Of course, the story only made national news after Republican leaders in the House released some of the footage from their sting operation to a local TV station. I don't necessarily agree with putting a Bible in the refrigerator. Reverend Katie Sexton Wood heads the Arizona Faith Network, an interfaith organization in Phoenix, and is a pastor in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. She doesn't condone Stahl Hamilton's actions, but thinks the point the representative was trying to make at this moment in American politics is important. My faith is weaponized and my scripture is weaponized for one political agenda, um, but I'm really more in a space of greeting right now. And, and knowing that it can get very frustrating when you feel like your voice is taken away from you. Sexton Wood questions whether the Bible should be the only religious document available in the House Members' Lounge. We still need to talk about why it was ne- those actions were necessary. Um, and that, that's going to require a conversation around whether that Bible should be in there or not to begin with. It's a conversation made more difficult by Stahl Hamilton's actions and the pending ethics investigation. For NPR News... I'm Ben Giles in Phoenix. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. So instead of the, they govern the, the country, they embody playing musical Bibles and hide and seek. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? You should be burned at the stake. You see, I mean, come on. Can we get to the, 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 what, to the issues that we have to deal with? Get to that and work to that. She says, I carry my Bible with me to places that I may want to have reference to it, but I'm not putting it out in the halls of our capital where it can be seen as a predominant document that is forming and informing laws that are being made. Listen, Arizona, there is work to be done. We ain't got time for this, okay? We do not have time for this. Now, our next story. The fact that they had a sting for it as well. <laughs> a sting operation. <laughs> exactly. It is so... I can't even. It's so crucial. This is critical. We have to deal with this right now. Yes, we know that there are people killing people. That's 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 inconsequential right now. We have a Bible thief amongst us. (laughs) Set up CCTV and we monitor. Julie, Julie, some musical Bibles. A Bible Napa. (laughs) Yes. No, 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 no. But can we talk about the guns? Are you dumb? Don't you see we have somebody hiding Bibles here? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Lord have mercy. I need to get out the pesticide spray <laughs> and spray out these places. 
Anyway, next up in our next story, Senate Democrats demand, demand more details from Harlan Crow as it relates to gifts on to Justice Thomas. Oh, Lord. Every time I see a picture of Justice Thomas, I feel like I want to throw up. Okay, story courtesy of NPR.org. Pressure to force wealthy GOP donor to explain his ties to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas escalated on Tuesday with top Senate Democrats pushing for new disclosures in the face of Senate Republican opposition. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin and Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden have demanded new details from Texas billionaire developer Harlan Crow. In recent reporting, ProPublica disclosed undisclosed, well, <laughs> they disclosed undisclosed gifts from Crow to Thomas, which include luxury trips and private school tuition for a Thomas relative. Crow did not immediately respond to requests for comment from NPR. In a letter dated April 24, Wyden, Democrat for Oregon, requested Crow turn over tax information and last week asked Crow to detail the Thomas Gifts. Crow did not meet a May 8 deadline to turn over information, a committee aide said. I was disappointed but unsurprised by billionaire Republican activist Harlan Crow's refusal to respond to my questions. <laughs> the bottom line is that nobody can expect to get away with waving off finance committee oversight. No matter how wealthy or well-connected they may be, I will send a full response to Mr. Crow's attorneys in the coming days. <laughs> going to come of this or is this just a um circus right now and then eventually it's going to go away and we're going to forget about it and nothing is going to come of it is that what we feel is going to happen or do we feel that there is going to be a change in how things happen me personally i don't think there's going to be a change i think it's going to go away and i don't think there will be any change until we change the term the lifetime term that Supreme Court judges are allowed to serve for until we make it a situation where they are voted in but not elected by someone who wants to put them there for their own agenda. And I'm done speaking. Is anything going to come up out of this? Do we think? Do we, do we think anybody's no. going to be held accountable? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, no one's going to be held accountable for it at all. <laughs> uh, and I don't know that I want to, to you, you, to, you know, to uh, 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 vote a man, right? Because that that's, that's right for problems too, right? But I do think like some kind of, you know, a term limit of 20 years would be perfect. Mm-hmm. So that might be the best idea would have a term limit of 20 years. 20 years? You don't think that's too much, um, no, David? No, I, guess, I mean, we could go shorter, but I do think, but, but, but I think that if it's, because here's the thing, right? If you look at right now, everybody, regardless of whether they're Democrat or Republican, they are, they're trying to seek the youngest people possible, right? Means, which means somebody in their early 50s, right? Because now they can figure, okay, if this person gets in like when they're like 52 right, or even at, at 49, then they can at least be there for 30 years, right? You know, you know, 80. So I think that if you're giving them 
and I go into 20 years time period, I think if you're giving them 20 year time period, period, then, it, then that seems a little bit better because the shorter you do it, the more political it becomes and the more that becomes the center of the battle all the time, right? right, right? So, so you need to give them a, a, long, a, li- a long length of time so that we can not have that on the table as a constant uh, political threat from one side or the other, trying to game the system simply for that. And then that just becomes more so. I think a 20-year term is good. 20 years, you're done. You move on. Uh, and then, you know, we move on to the next person. Because if not, then that just that will just constantly be something that will be battling over. It'll overshadow, you know, so many other things. And everybody will be like, I'm just voting for who's going to be on the Supreme Court, right? right? Mm-hmm. Now we're not voting for, for anything else. So I don't think we want to make the Supreme Court as political as it is to uh, be elected in the White House or the House or the Senate. We, we just got to... you know just let them have 20 years and let that be done so if okay so let us say if we go with 20 years what do we think is going to happen some they're going to be there for the rest of their life i'm here thinking because what they may say then is okay you have to be at least 75 to um be able to be elected or be um what's the word that they use appointed that's the word appointed as a supreme court judge because all right 20 years that takes you up to 95 chances are you gonna die what if they do that so it turns goes back to them having lifetime appointment so to speak well, well well if you think about it you know if they're if they're appointing a supreme court justice and let's say the person is like you know 55 right 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 mm-hmm. then that's about 75 right and they're done right right, right, mm-hmm. right 75 75 and they're done I mean, they they still have a long life ahead of them, but the chances the chances are, and the way and the way things are working these days, they're not appointing older people. Right? They're literally appointing those folks right in their middle age, because at least for the lifetime thing, the middle age, because they know if they appoint somebody who's too old, right? There's a chance or there's a possibility that that person, you know, may suffer great health issues or may die. You know, uh, so they want to try to get them younger, so that they know that they can be, you know. Uh, uh, in office longer, right? Or, or they can they can hold a Supreme Court seat longer. So if you just give them twenty years, and now we know they're less, you know, they're trying to get people in at fifty, you know, fifty or something like that at that age, then you know, after twenty years, they're done, right? Right? They're out of it, right? They're still living, but they're done. So, I mean, that just that would just be that would just be better, and then that would just keep us from being so political because I mean, it's already political, but mm-hmm. it, it would just be less political to just say okay. 20 years you 20 years we're done with you and so you know you can think about in, in 20 years you know whatever the composition of the government is or how things are going then then you come up with it but if we just have to constantly like i say if it was short we just have to constantly do this over and over again it just it just takes away from all of the other things that we really need to be doing because this is all this is all the democrats and republicans will be thinking about it supreme court supreme court supreme court supreme court you know, along with who's in the House, who's in the Senate, that'll that'll be the, that'll be the construction of their entire electoral process, right? You know, mm-hmm. or their entire campaigning process. So we want to take that away. Give them twenty years, and then twenty years you're done. That's it. Okay. All right. Thank you for that breakdown. I appreciate that, David. Son, I put in the chat. We need a younger bench. I totally agree. They need to be able to relate to the cases and the populace. Yes, Sonette. I totally agree. The younger, the better. They're more relatable. They can identify more, right? Yeah, like the 75-year-old person trying to decide on whether or not um, 
people can get married or 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 whatever type of cases women's um birth control all that nonsense that nonsense that stuff mm-hmm. he has he or she has known to us that because they're long past birthing age crazy yeah agreed all right thank you so next up Tucker Carlson says he's coming back with a show on Twitter. Fired Fox News host Tucker Carlson said Tuesday that he will be putting out a new version of his program on Twitter. Carlson made his announcement in a three-minute video posted on the social media site as part of a denunciation of media. He called Twitter the last big remaining platform that allows free speech. We'll be bringing a new version of the show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter, he said. We will bring some other things too, which we'll we'll tell you about. But for now, we're just grateful to be here. He offered no other details and a message to his lawyer, Brian Friedman, was not immediately returned. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> hey, NPR listeners. Planet Money can tie any topic back to the economy. And from launching a satellite to adopting an abandoned superhero, they make it educational and entertaining. Click the play button below to listen to a recent episode. Support for NPR comes from Amazon Business, a 2023 lead sponsor of Planet Money. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Learn more at amazonbusiness.com. Former President Trump never testified at the trial where he was found liable for sexual abuse and defamation. But one day after that verdict, he turns up on live television. CNN holds a town hall meeting tonight. Trump faces questions before an audience with host Caitlin Collins. During Trump's presidential years, he made attacks on CNN part of his business model. And Collins was a CNN White House correspondent who asked him hard questions. Now the network is different and Trump is no longer president. So how will this event go? NPR media correspondent David Folkenflik is on the line. David, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Why would Trump return to mainstream media now? And particularly CNN, right? He called it the enemy of people, fake news. Well, you know, recently he's been pumping for this event. He posted on Truth Social, the social media site, quote, could be the beginning of a new and vibrant CNN with no more fake news, or it could turn into a disaster for all, including me. Mm. I think part of it is, you know, he's starting up, gearing up for his run for the presidency for next year. And he's clearly upset with Fox News, a home for a lot of his uh, most ardent supporters, even though he's given interviews to Sean Hannity and former uh, Fox host Tucker Carlson on that network in recent weeks. He's upset with it because the Murdochs that control that network have been auditioning Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as the possible uh, lead candidate for Republicans. Trump knows uh, Collins from the White House. Uh, You know, I think he says he's going to be independent from, from Fox in certain ways. I feel like we're setting up a pro wrestling match here. You've got all these dramatic plot lines, and there's a plot line involving Trump and Fox. There's also a plot line involving CNN and its changes. Yeah, right. Under uh, uh, Chris Licht, appointed as chairman of CNN early last year, CNN and its parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery, has been trying to say it's a new day at CNN. They've removed some of its programs that had some of the fiercest criticism of Trump. Think Don Lemon being moved to the morning shows and finally being fired for unrelated issues. Brian Stelter's media criticism show reliable sources removed from the airwaves there. They basically have said, we've got a new lineup, a new day. We're going to be fair to Republicans and Democrats, they say, while still holding them accountable. 
Now, some people will question interviewing Donald Trump. Uh, there are people who argue you shouldn't talk with him. We made a different judgment at NPR. We've interviewed Donald Trump. So it's a thing that, that we believe you do. He's a newsworthy figure. But what are the risks or pitfalls of putting him on? Well, look, this is not just a town hall where Collins is going to have to be navigating and moderating questions from Republicans and uncommitted voters in New Hampshire at St. Anselm's College, but it's also an event that's live. You know, Trump defined his run for uh, the presidency 2015-2016 the first time around by his bombast, but also by overwhelming the press with false claims and lies. And the press carried him live because of the incredible ratings they got and because of the astonishing phenomenon that he was that became a big issue for CNN in intervening years. And, you know, Republicans argued they overcompensated. You mentioned Tucker Carlson. Let's talk about him before you go. The Fox News host, of course, was recently fired after a gigantic defamation settlement that Fox faced. And then he announced yesterday he's starting a new show on Twitter. Here's some of what he said. There aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one is Twitter. Uh, Dave, I've been texting with Tucker Carlson. He says he can't come on NPR right now because he's still under contract to Fox. Is he now going to be in trouble with Fox for going on Twitter? Well, well, so that's the real question, right? Carlson has proclaimed he's going there. Elon Musk, uh, owner of Twitter, very carefully said to Twitter last night, you know, home for free speech, but also we don't have any arrangement with Carlson yet. Carlson's lawyers have sent note to Fox saying basically they breached his contract and therefore he's entitled to do this, according to Axios. The real question is, you know, Fox wants to sideline Carlson through the end of the 2024 race by paying him a ton of money. Carlson's saying, I don't need the money. I'm going to go to a new place. Okay. Dave, thanks so much. You bet. And now more. So, <laughs> oh, CNN. <laughs> Woo! Dipped 61% in March. When did they fire Lemon? Do you remember the exact date when they fired Don Lemon? Uh, he was fired in April. Yeah, exactly. April. But, so, when did they switch him to daytime? Uh, they switched him to daytime. I would say that was the beginning of the year, right? The beginning right, of right? the year. Yeah, the year. That, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, that was February. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And so, by the way, his late his late night show wasn't doing his late night show that he had eleven wasn't doing well anyway. Right? I mean, if you really be honest about it, it it, it you I would have canceled the two if I was ahead of it. <laughs> but when did it start to not do well? It was, it, to be honest, it was never really doing well, right? You right, think right, so? Right? It, it was, no, it never, it never really was. Okay. What, what, here's the thing about it, right? And that's just the thing, because we're talking about CNN. Okay, look at this. Uh, Jeff Zucker, who is, who was fired from CNN, right, before Chris Lick came in to take over, Jeff Zucker was friends with Donald Trump. So when he gave Donald Trump all that press, you know, all that free airtime, he, you know, he was giving him airtime, not because he supported him as a candidate, but he was, you know, he didn't think he was really, he just thought this was a fun little thing. You know what I mean? Right? Like, this is just fun. This guy's not going to be the nominee. Then when he became the nominee and then obviously actually became president, Jeff Zucker and him had a falling out. And then Jeff Zucker just decided to use CNN, you know, as retribution, right? You know, on him, right? So Jeff Zucker himself went in went in this direction. Next thing you know, this is where you get to Don Lemon and all the, all these other people, because all the people that have been that have been let go, with the exception of the one that uh, uh, Governor Cuomo's brother, right? Which which mm -hmm. is another reason for being let go. All those people were like, let's just say it was an old boys club, and Don Lemon was part of the old boys club. And, you know, he was part of that club, and so, so when Jeff Zucker was fired uh, because 
he was having uh, a romantic relationship with another employee and never told HR, right? Right? Like, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, for years, right? Right? Then when Chris came in, Chris Lynch came in, and his job was to change the network, right? He said it went too far in the crazy direction. It needs to bring it back to the middle because the ratings for you know the ratings for uh, you know for uh, CNN were all were already dropping, and for most people it was Trump. Every media outlet, whether they were right or left. Where they got a they they had a major killing in terms of their ratings over being pro Trump or anti Trump, right? The outrage for Trump one way or the other, which what was driving them. With Trump no longer in there, right? The outrage with, right? Then they have nothing driving them. So they went back to what so before Trump was president, those media outlets were already suffering. Trump gave them, sadly enough, he gave them a, a second life for a little while, right? And then when he's gone, you know, when he's gone, you know, the life is the the, the life is the life is taken out. So Don Lemon was never particularly popular. That's why he was on at 11 p.m., right? right? You know, I mean, come on, 11 p.m. tonight, right? But, uh, but he was still there in his show because of who was in charge, right? right? And how friendly he was with the person in charge. After, after he left, you know, that's when, you know, Chris Litt just, just started going through meticulously looking at different people and started, and started looking at who he was going to let go now. You realize Don Lemon wasn't the first one to let go. So he let go a bunch of white people first who was hosting the show. Right, right, you know, and they weren't doing well either. And none of them were doing well. He was getting rid of them. Uh, but then, you know, with Don Lemon and, you know, with the history of Don Lemon's sort of misogynistic and sexist behavior, right, right, right that kind of gave them the impetus to say, okay, because, you know, they're probably just going to wait till his contract came up, you know, <laughs> at the end of it. But putting him in the morning with women, right, and watching him, you know, you know, you know, some. Some people say they did it on purpose because they knew how he would act. Well, if, if, if people know you got a problem, right, and they and they put you out there and you act the way you act, then that's it. But that didn't obviously him being in the morning with women, you know, uh, uh, you know, was kind of like you know the camera that broke the straws back, and that was like leading him uh, to the to the end there, you know, you know to the end there. But hey, you know what? If I nobody really, unless you're older, and no no offense to the older people, but unless you're like. I mean, the average age of a cable news viewer is like about 65 years old. So my generation, millennials, and you could even say the next generation, Gen Z, nobody's watching those kind of programs. But to the people who do watch it, right, you know, CNN is trying to uh, slot themselves back in the middle. I think that's I think that's a fine thing. So let me ask you a question, David. Do you think them courting Wendy Williams is something, a smart idea? Because they are now considering going to daytime talk. Do you think that's a wise idea? I think CNN right now is there. Just they are just grasping at straws, anything to try to stay keep their head above water. Mm-hmm. For them to, to to entertain the idea that you know what, let's bring Wendy Williams. Yeah, I, I look. I know I don't think it's a good idea. In the same way, I don't think it was a good idea for them to say, "Well, we're going to take Bill Maher's Friday show and then we're going to put the overtime on the network too." Like they are. They are, at this sense, grasping at straws to try to to try to figure out what what it, what it, what is what is next for them. But Chris Litt, like the the current president, basically he's been going to the parties, and the people at the parties have been saying, you know, that's CNN and went too far in one direction, right, right, you know, uh, you know, and and by the way, going too far in that direction ended up hurting it in the ratings, right, right, you know, uh, self too. So, I mean, his attempt to try to bring it back to what it used to be known for, which was they did solid reporting. Like if you focus on the reporting and the investigative reporting and you don't get into that whole opinion kind of stuff, right, then it's better. But 
then it's a then it's a better space. So no, I don't think. And look, let's be honest. She got a lot of personal issues. I don't know why she's trying to get back in TV anyway. Right? Like, you know, let you know, leave her alone. Let her settle down. Uh, I just kind of think that it's, it's CNN should just be straight up news reporting. Leave the commentary stuff out of it. You know. Uh, and you know, and, and and go there because I mean they're just at the they're at the tail end. You saw they you saw they they introduced the app and the you know the CNN Plus app, which they you know was was canceled basically a month after. All they did was take and I'll be honest here. Why are you going to introduce a streaming platform and put seventy five plus year old people in Don Lemon <laughs> on a streaming app if people are not watching them already on the on the regular program? So yeah, CNN CNN is just uh, edging along, but don't get. Don't get don't get it twisted. MSNBC is heading in that direction. Fox only happens to be surviving because they, they you know they have more than two million average monthly viewers, and the other you know uh, MSNBC is about I think it's about one point two one point three million average viewers, and now you've got CNN down to about six hundred thousand you know uh, you know you know average monthly viewers. So. They're all on their way out. <laughs> I was about to say that based on that number, it sounds as though CNN's time is coming to an end. And because they recognize that based on the stats, they are going to, you know, they don't like Donald Trump, but they're going to use Donald Trump the way he uses everybody to get their numbers up, at least for that night. And then let's see if they're going to continue to dance around him. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, that's what you do, right? you know. You know, that's. I mean, I mean, and, and it's also their way to kind of show to, you know, I guess you would say the more right leaning people that okay, that time period is over with, right? So please, please give us the shot, right? Right. You know, so that's also an overture, right? Look, mm -hmm. we let this guy on. Please give us another shot. Please come and start with you. All right. Okay. So, um, <laughs> hold on one second. Let me. Oh, by the way, came across this. Fourth on the Twitters uh, with one Vivek Ramaswamy, who currently is boasting about getting, uh, who was the only African-American uh, anchor in this business before I joined him uh, in Prime uh, at CNN, Don Lemon. He's boasting about getting him fired. He thinks that is somehow going to be a big, uh, you know, flag for his uh, run for president. Your thoughts on him, because you've been back and forth with him online. You know, when he first started, I thought, okay, here's an Indian American, funny name, we disagree. Hopefully he, he, he makes a good good uh, showing or do, does something well. And it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, Joy. My phone blew up with other Indian Americans saying, make it clear he doesn't speak for us. I mean, to sit him, sit there lecturing a black man about black history was totally uncalled for. And then he didn't have all his historical facts. I mean, the Indian American community in this country holds a huge debt to the African American community. If it weren't for the civil rights movement, the 1965 Immigration Reform Act in right. the past, my parents wouldn't have come to America. Before that, basically, immigrants from Asia and Africa were not allowed to come. It was highly discriminatory. It's, it's really ironic because neither his nor my parents could have come here under the rules before the Civil Rights Act, before that 65 Civil Rights Bill. But he's acting as if the NRA somehow saved African Americans in the Civil War. The NRA wasn't even formed until 1871. Well, he doesn't know anything about African American history. He clearly doesn't know the reasons for the Civil War because he thinks the purpose of the civil war was to get black people the right to bear arms well, i mean what the last i checked 
uh, Dr. King, it was a nonviolent civil rights movement, influenced, by the way, by Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah. And so the fact that maybe some of them had guns to protect them, so they, they weren't advocating the use of guns, they were yeah. advocating nonviolence. And here's the point. He's saying, well, oh, any individual should have the right to talk about black history. Of course, everyone should have the right to talk about it. You should have opinions, but they should be informed opinions. Yeah. They should be opinions after you've read history books, and they should be ones not with arrogance, but with humility, yeah. especially if you're talking to someone who has actually studied and read that history. Yeah, I guess, you know, he, I guess being fluid in your mellifluous ability to speak does not mean that you know what the hell you're talking about. And he clearly did not. And Don was right uh, in that argument. Uh, Congressman Rokana, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, interesting. All right. Um. <laughs> Can I quickly comment on Joy Reid? Huh? Said it, said it again? Comment on Joy Reid. <laughs> yeah, because Joy Reid, because that was Joy Reid, right? Yes. Yeah, can I quickly comment on Joy Reid? I don't like her either, right? What's wrong? Stop the cap with Joy Reid. That's a test. Joy Reid, stop the cap. Because when the reparations argument started bubbling up, Joy Reid was bringing on people talking, you know, talking about like, like, trying to diss the rep the people who are fighting for reparations right 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 that's what she was doing right 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 so you know so she she you know, so she was on the dissing <laughs> the, the activists out there pushing for african-american reparations right calling them all extremists and all kinds of bad people and all these different kind of things um bringing on some woman uh, on her network called the digital the digital i forget her name digital something i forget her name but but um, I you know I watch her dis dis yeah I watch her dis you know dis reparations right yeah dis reparations so to me she ain't no better than Don Lemon was and he was right in that moment right okay get him but she ain't no better either right and I think that most of the the, the black folks on the uh, who are on these cable news programs are just the kind of they're just kind of the 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 black face for. Uh, the sort of white political majority, and they're the ones that are acceptable enough to do it. So, and, and I, I guess hey, that's why I wanted to make that statement about her. Alrighty then. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more because Shereen, the digital sister, who's actually on Clubhouse and is actually someone who knows what she's talking about, um, she got lots of hate for going on Joy Reid's show because she was talking about the Ados people. Um, what do you call them? The descendants of slaves American Af African descendants of slaves or something like that thank you I, I I can't even remember the full name because all I call them is Ados now who are violently opposed to not opposed to reparations but opposed to reparations for anybody but them so joy has her complaints uh, everybody has their complaints about joy because she's sometimes not the sharpest tool in the shed Mm -hmm. But I, I don't, David, I don't know. I, I don't think that she was doing that, what you, you're describing. Um, she brought on Shireen, and Shireen does a lot of data, and she's not opposed to reparations. She's just having a fight with those people, for those people who are completely xenophobic. If you go in any spaces on the, um, the app, if you're not just born in America and, and purely, I can trace your lineage back to 1870s, then you're not not real. But this is a completely different fight. Um, and Shireen, I mean, maybe I'm gonna say Shireen's a friend, so I'll, so I'll defend a little bit. But I've watched other things outside of the friend, um, the friend glasses, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And I and I don't think that that's completely uh, correct. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it there. All right, thank you, David. Thank you, Sonette. And we gotta keep it moving. All right, came across that there are two videos that I want to play for you. Um, hold on. A Fine of up to a thousand dollars. The crime: lewd and lascivious cohabitation. Okay, hold on. Let me start this over. My apologies dollars the crime lewd and lascivious cohabitation aka people okay so let me give you a heads up michigan senators spar over unenforced penalty for unmarried couples living together michigan penal code code 750335 any man or woman not being married to each other who lewdly and last la- whatever the word is, lavishously associates, lasciviously, <laughs> thank you, lasciviously associates and cohabits together. And any man or woman married or unmarried who is guilty of open and gross lewdness and that behavior is guilty of a misdemeanor punishable by imprisonment for not more than one year or a fine of not more than $1,000. Okay, so um, hold on one second. Let me... Right. To a year in prison and a fine of up to $1,000. The crime? Lewd and lascivious cohabitation, a.k.a. people living together out of wedlock. Casp! <gasps> that law from 1931 is still on the books in the state of Michigan today. This legislative session is the first time in 40 years that Democrats in Michigan have been in control of the state house and the state Senate and the governor's mansion. And they are using their newfound power to do a little legislative spring cleaning, shall we say. They are getting rid of old zombie laws that just don't make sense anymore here in this 21st century of ours. And you would think this one would be unanimous. It is not. Today, again, in the year 2023, nine Republicans in the Michigan State Senate voted against repealing this law. Two Republicans even gave floor speeches about why laws like these are necessary to promote what one of them called, quote, good morals. The other Republican explained that while he didn't support the criminal penalties of the old law, he didn't like that repealing it would mean that unmarried people would be able to claim the same benefits as married people on their taxes. He said he would easily be a yes on the bill repealing the law if the tax structure continued to encourage marriage. As wild as it is to see elected officials on the side of the zombie in the zombie law debates, it is also kind of nice to hear the quiet part out loud. This is genuinely how a big chunk of the modern Republican Party actually thinks. Whether it is abortion rights or drag shows or banning books, a whole section of the GOP wants the government to tell you how to think and how to dress and apparently who you can live with out of wedlock in the year 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, the grand old party. (laughs) 19... I like the way she tied it up with the bow, the grand old party. That yes. Was yes. So, folks, check the states that you live in just in case there is such an act in place. Please. Please check it out because you may be breaking the law and you don't even know. But um, to the grand old party, I will ask this question. Do you not know that? You know what? Go, 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 go back and do some research on Mary and Joseph. They weren't married yet. But anyway, I'll keep it moving. Y'all hang on to everything the Bible says. Go back and read that part. 
go, go on now on now oh heads up folks i came across this video played it on the rosolo show yesterday and i uh gotta play it for you all today so i did a video a couple days ago about this product okay so let me let me pause real quick this lady she is inside of a walmart store so she's not just relaying an incident that somebody it's oh. not hearsay this is her experience and she's showing the footage all right let's go it's the l'oreal makeup and um i took a picture of it while i was in the store i was in a hurry so i didn't have a lot of time but i made it took this picture um because i was very disturbed by the fact that the same product has two different prices depending on the complexion of your skin so the light tones were as you can see here 697 and if you are my complexion or darker darker hues need to pay $11.97 for the same exact product well I didn't have the time and someone in my comments said you should have told an employee I explained to you why I couldn't but I had time today so I went back checked still the same found someone and said hey you need to come look at this because there's a problem showed them the issue and it was funny because her face was like uh really caught off guard I didn't say anything about race. I didn't say anything about color. I didn't say anything about the darker tones or charge more. I didn't say anything. I just said, clearly, there's something wrong here. Can you tell me what's wrong? So she said, can you, can you give me a minute and I'll be back. So she took a product from here and from here and she left. And she came back. And when she came back, she said, oh, I tell you what we're going to do. We're, we're going to give you the shade that you want for the 697 as if she was that was the solution so i said thank you i appreciate that however um i'm not going to be satisfied with just that because no one who comes in with a darker complexion should ever have to pay more than a person that's lacking melanin so i'm going to need all of these to be changed Either everybody's paying $6.97 or everybody's paying $11.97, but we're not going to have two different prices based on the color of one's skin. Oh, okay, I'm going to take care of it right away. I'm going to do it. I'm, I, I will. I'll take care of this right away. So I left. I'll be going back. I'll be checking. In the meantime, when you're shopping... Keep a watchful eye. Stay woke. These people are tripping. And it was Walmart. Not L'Oreal. It was Walmart. Sad. That was an eye-opener for me. Because I have bought over-the-counter makeup at Walmart. And I've never paid attention I find the shade, I'm out. That's it. But I'm glad I stumbled upon that video so that I can be more alert. I can be woke, which is what they don't want us to be. But I can be awake while I'm shopping. Has anyone else ever seen anything like this before? Heard of anything like this before? I found a clip on, on 
TikTok, but I didn't. Um, I'd never seen that in person. I always check prices, and I've never seen it anywhere where they've labeled one price of the same product different for um, not for makeup. I've seen it for clothing, for like sizes different, yes. but never for color in makeup. I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Five dollar difference. Well, you know, I'll be on the alert now. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna be looking. Because it could have been happening and we didn't notice. We're not noticing it. It's such a shame that she had to bring that to their attention. How many people probably have bought the per- the, the makeup at the more expensive price and not even realized, just like myself, not paying attention. We have to stay woke. Don't listen to Rhonda Santis talking about um, Florida's where woke go to die. Oh, um, in business and tech news, Biden wants airlines to pay passengers whose flights are hit by preventable delays. According to NPR, the Biden administration is seeking new regulations to address the unexpected costs and inconveniences experienced by passengers after the widespread flight disruptions this past winter. Those regulations could include requiring airlines to compensate passengers as well as cover their meals hotel rooms and rebooking fees in cases of preventable delays and cancellations. President Joe Biden and the Transportation Secretary announced the start of the rulemaking process on Monday afternoon, just weeks before the busy summer travel season. I think that's reasonable. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Um, May have them stop double booking. (laughs) or whatever. Anyway, Twitter is adding calls and encrypted messages for those who use Twitter like that. Story courtesy of CNN. Twitter is uh, adding encrypted messaging to the platform, uh, and that starts today, and calls will follow shortly. According to Elon Musk, release of encrypted DMs, direct messages, V1.0, should be happening starting today. This will grow in sophistication rapidly. The acid test is that I could not see your DMs even if there was a gun to my head. Coming soon will be voice and video chat from your handle to anyone on the platform so you can talk to people anywhere in the world without giving them your phone number. The move comes as Musk, who took control of Twitter six months ago, looks for ways to return the platform to growth. Its future looks increasingly uncertain in the face of dwindling advertising revenue and increased competition from rivals such as Mastodon and Blue Sky, developed by Twitter co-founder and former CEO Jack Dorsey. Adding calls and um, encrypted messaging could allow Twitter to compete with Mark Zuckerberg's Meta, which owns Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp, Billions of people around the world use those platforms to communicate daily with family and friends, including in groups. Twitter, meanwhile, reported 238 million monetizable daily users last July. Also in business and tech news, buy now, pay later. Well, Customers are seeing more denial, denials and lower spending limits. According to Baller Alert, a report from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Consumer Complaint Database found that users with payment plan systems such as Klarna, Affirm, Zip and others are being declined more frequently. 
Many are active customers of these payment systems who have never experienced denials in the past. While some customers have been told platforms could not verify personal information or that their credit scores were too low, the real culprit is the soaring interest rates and looming recession. Fox Business reports that the entire business model behind the buy now, pay later industry is being challenged, especially for those who rely heavily on credit scores. Klarna, Sezzle, and Affirm are implementing stricter credit standards, and these companies are moving away from growing and putting their focus on making money. For customers who have not been right out denied, they have been hit with lower spending limits, despite having a positive history with these apps. Unlike banks, buy now, pay later providers must borrow from other lenders and investors in order to issue loans. Unfortunately, since this type of funding has skyrocketed in cost due to rising interest rates, offering these installment plans with zero interest is becoming nearly impossible. Another factor is the rising delinquency rate of buy now, pay later plans. According to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau report, the delinquency rate among borrowers aged 18 to 24 reached 5.7% in 2021. That is an alarming increase from 2% in 2020. Kind of saw it coming, though. I think, we was it this year, earlier this year, or last year, we spoke about the buy now, pay later, and that many people were relying heavily on it to get them by. Could it be that people are overextending themselves using these um, mediums? And as such, yeah. The thing is, if you're going to do a buy now, pay, buy now, pay later, um, don't do it if you know you're not going to pay the thing. Don't do it. If you know you're going to close out your account and yada, 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 yada. Because in the end, it affects other people who really need this. That parent who needs to get a new bag or a new pair of shoes or something for their child and they really and truly can't afford it that minute to pay in full. It's beneficial to them. It's a good thing to be able to tie people over, so to speak. There are people who really need this type of service. But as with everything, you know, people always upend, do what's not right. So the good suffer for the bad, unfortunately. Oh, I should let you know, uh, men, <laughs> if you're interested in, intre- interested in having more children, go right ahead. Actor Robert De Niro welcomed his seventh child and he's 79 years old. Is he selfish? Unreasonable? Not thinking about the child at all? You know, because he has less years ahead of him than he has, you know, or let me say it right. He has more years behind him than he has ahead of him. Is he unreasonable in taking that stance? Or doing that. 79 years old. So I saw the <laughs> Instagram post. And I saw Robin there. I'm like, oh, he died? And then I'm like, oh. And then I read. And it said he had a, a child at 79. And I'm like, Mofo, why? Like, why? Uh, 
seventh child, not yeah. first child. Mm-hmm. I think I would feel differently if it was his first child at 79. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's already populated the world with six other human beings. <laughs> let me go. Just... Let me do the on air wrap up. <laughs> oh, it's that time already. Good morning, everyone on Jano Radio and QMZ. Uh, it is Thank that... you for joining us today. <laughs> My sentiments, believe you me, my sentiments. He got that super duper love. Gotta give a big thank you to everyone that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Remember, for quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone that logged on to JanoRadio.com, the non-stop party vibe station. Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. And of course, a big thank you to everyone that joined me here on Clubhouse. Everyone in the audience, everyone on the stage, those who contributed via the chat, back channel, or lent their voice, we appreciate you. To my folks online, whatever you do, wherever you go, I do ask that you please be safe. Remember to tune in tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. For another episode of Coffee Into World News on the go, where I read the news and we share our views. This was a Moments with Me Media production, and this is Moments with Me signing out. Uh, Clubhouse, I'll be right back with you.